Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Browns, and you're listening to The Sports Fix. With another edition of the Sports Fix here. If you're joining us live here, Friday edition of the Sports Fix. Come Jonathan Knight, unavailable to join today. Of course, JK is usually with us. to be with us today. Be here with us today. Be with us on Wednesdays this week. So Dan's going to be with us here today, which is great. We'll be able to sit down and talk some NFL, talk Browns and Buckeyes and look into both of those games as we didn't really get a chance to do that this week with Dan. So looking forward to having him join us as well. BJ Riddell's going to join us. We'll do some fantasy football for winners. As a matter of fact, BJ is going to join us here just about, oh, 30 minutes from now in the first hour or so. It took me a minute to figure out where we were going with the timing of things, but BJ will be with us early. As I said, a little bit of a of a different uh, placement of things here today. BJ will kind of get the football talk going right around 1240 or so if you're listening live, just about 30, 35 minutes from now if you're listening on digital delay. BJ will be here. Dan Wismar in the house, hour two, talking some football, talking all kinds of stuff with Dan, who knows where we're going to go with that. So we're going to have time to open up the phones to you guys in the early part of the show, and we'll get to talking. we got a lot of things to do. Cavaliers, can you believe it, playing some basketball already. Uh, tons of things to do. So if, if you guys don't mind, I mean, since you're here to do it, let's do it. I am your host. Welcome in, by the way, to the Sports Fix. J-Rock, Jerry Myers is what they call me. You can call me glad to have you here, baby, with us each and every time we do this, whether it's live on the Sports Fix Radio Network. Perhaps you're listening on TuneIn right now. TuneIn's radio app worldwide. Maybe you're enjoying the show on Spreaker, Mixler, their respective digital and mobile apps. Perhaps you're enjoying the show live on the home base on the sportsfix.net. Uh, make sure you bookmark it if you're not. All great places to listen live, be a part of the conversation as well. Shout out to all of you thousands around the world listening on digital delay. On sites 24 hours a day, guys, seven days a week. Sites like iHeartRadio, the world's largest internet radio provider, uh, iTunes, all of the different places that you guys do the thing, get your fix, all those things, the fancy catchphrases that we say. Thank you so much for doing that and being a part of the show. And as I said, today, a great time as I see the phones already beginning to ring. Today, a great time to do just that 
Be a part of the show. Get your fix. 216-539-7535 is the number to call. We'll have some time to get to the phones here in the first segment of the show before BJ joins us, Dan joins us. As I mentioned, fantasy football winners here coming up just about 30 minutes from now. Dan Wismar following that up. We're going to open things up, though, with you guys, whether it's on the phones, 216-539-7535, on Facebook and Twitter, Always social media open 24 hours a day. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Tweet with us at the sports fix. CLE email us the sports fix at AOL.com. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Twitter at the sports fix. CLE email us the sports fix at AOL.com. Couple of notes here as we kick things off. T minus 10 days for those of you counting uh, before we will finally get the switch over complete and we won't have the bandwidth issues that are hopefully not going to be as bad today as they were the other day. I'll apologize in advance if they are, but we are in the home stretch here, 10 days away of finally getting that taken care. It still amazes me that I live in a such a city, a, lar- a large city. This isn't exactly podunk, you know, when you talk about Cleveland, Ohio and all the all the um, the modern amenities that you have, all the different company, eight million choices of places you can go get a cup of coffee or fill up your gas tank or whatever, and the monopoly that is held still to this day in the uh, the internet and cable and uh, uh, well, basically internet. It, you know, it's all kind of tied together now. The telecommunications market. Uh, it's amazing that here. The only true high-speed internet that I could get comes from one company and one company only, and you're at the mercy of them. Everything else is okay internet, but it takes it takes a, a good, healthy internet setup to run what we do here. We're feeding the show live, taking calls, all of that stuff, and... Uh, the, uh, the previous service that we had was fantastic. It's, again, a shame that corporate greed leads to corporate buyouts and they shut down certain companies. And unfortunately, uh, my Internet company was a victim. But I just find it nuts that in this city there's not multiple options. It was, hey, this is the only place. Hey, we hope to open up some high speed in your area soon. I'm like... In Cleveland, need internet wired here? I mean, they make it sound like like it's a challenge. Like we've still got to lay the grid. You know, we're still laying the first railroad tracks with Lewis and Clark. But anyways, ten more days, guys, and then we won't have the, these issues to deal with here. So, just wanted to give you guys an update on that. Last night, by the way, uh, before I get rolling. I know this is going to burn some people's chaff them just a little bit here. Brian Hoye, I get it. He threw a pick at the end of the game, but uh, we were watching the game. I was watching the game with a group of people, had them rolling because uh, Mallet went down. And, and as you guys, if you were watching the game with the Colts and the uh, Texans last night, uh, Colts were rolling. I think they were up. Got hurt, goes to the sideline for one play, <laughs> gets his helmet back on, goes to come back in. Of course, Brian Hometown Hoyer has now gone out on the field and taken over as quarterback. And I looked at everybody in the room. I said, look, look, he's not coming off the field. He's not come. Look, he's running a no huddle, getting him right back to the. Do you guys remember we joked last year about how the best version of Brian Hoyer always seemed to appear as Johnny Manziel was putting his helmet on and getting ready to come into the game for the first time? That it happened again last night like you wrote the script. Uh, Malik goes out for like a play or two and he gets his helmet back on. He goes to come back in. Hoyer completes a pass. 
completes a second pass. Now he's moving the ball a little bit, completes a third pass here. All of a sudden, the coaches pull Mallet back and say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and let Brian keep going. And I'm, I'm looking around the room, and I'm going, Hoyer, don't come out. Look, this is, he's smelling blood in the water right now. He's in the huddle going, listen, guys, keep it moving. Look, we, we get back to the sideline. I'm, you, you run to the sewer cover, turn around. I'm going to throw it to you. And he just kept that drive moving. And I said, he's not coming out. Ryan Mallett, welcome to the world of Brian Hoyer. Because when, the, when that, for whatever reasons, we joked last year that just when the backup quarterback started to get that helmet loose and take that gin strap off. Here, he it was like he would subliminally feel the pressure. But we were joking last night, and I'm like, he's not coming out. Sure, well that he stayed in the game. Ended up throwing for over 300 yards. Had a couple of touchdowns, a couple of nice plays, too. I mean, seriously, if you watched the whole game, and I had some people message me after the game and go, huh, there's your Brian Hoyer at the end. Throws the interception. All I'm going to say is that the Texans looked like a Bush League team, and we're getting blown out early Brian Hoyer that that team looked great and and he is what he is he's not here this isn't our problem I'm not having that discussion but, but he, he looked good last night uh and uh a game that uh, was looking like it was going to trend in the other direction right away but I know he doesn't uh you know he doesn't have anything to do with with the equation here anymore and he chose to go down to Texas and play with the, the clips by the way of some uh some newspapers on the broadcast of like Hoyer and Mallet and their little competition and I said man here it goes it fold him right down there but once he gets in and he knows that he's about to come out he doesn't come Hoyer out of the game at that point Ryan Mallett welcome to the world of Johnny Manziel because that's what's out and the coaches said well yeah let's just see let 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 Brian go another play ah let him go another play got a kick out of that you know of course it is what it is and I personally wish the kid nothing but uh, success. They've had a tough run so far down there in Houston for a team that I I had high expectations on. And I said they'd be a playoff team this year. And, And who knows? They may well turn it around, but they're not on the path to doing that so far. Andre Johnson had to feel good, too. There's something good about that player who's still got something left in the tank. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't know what Andre Johnson had left in the tank either. When the Browns were talking about trading perhaps a second-round pick or when that you know talk was out there, I didn't know that I was all about it. I was about it from the aspect that it was better than anything that we had on our team. But I wasn't sure if the NFL passed him by either. He had to feel good to have his uh, moment last night, grab a couple of touchdowns against the team that decided that he uh, was perhaps on the uh, the back nine here. He, at least for one night, was able to grab that back. Speaking of for one night, for one night, tonight, well, every Friday night, but tonight I'm back out to South real quick, you guys, and I'm going to throw it to the phones. Back out to South High School doing some high school football tonight on WINT, 1330 AM. If you're so inclined, Inclined to tune in, perhaps you stream us on the internet, wintradio.com. Madison at South should be a great game. Madison coming in strong, only has a loss on season. South beginning to turn their season around, perhaps after a really, really, really tough start for them. Should be a heck of a game, even though the weather, it's definitely a football October weather now it's cold and rainy it's going to be one of those type of Friday nights but if you want to sit in the in the comfort of your home and listen to it you can check it out again wintradio.com 13:30 a.m. here in Cleveland Madison at South myself and Tim O'Brien the uh he's a part-time voice for the Lake County Captains he'll be joining me tonight for the call of action and then man you know what uh, the the station just hit me up the other day and said J-Rock are you in for basketball 
basketball. I said, yeah, man, can you believe it, guys? Basketball is here. I was sitting there Wednesday Wednesday night, was it? Yeah, watching the first Cavs game, looking at my son, and I just said, I cannot believe that we're already watching real, even though it's it's playoff basketball or, or preseason basketball, it's still, it's real basketball. Like, it's here already, and in a couple of weeks, we're playing the real thing. And uh, I, I said, man, that's the beauty of going to the NBA Finals the way the Cavs did because you, you had the season went about two months and a week longer than it would have. So it feels like we literally just closed down the gym yesterday and we're right back in it again uh, today. It just felt so quick. I mean, uh, even my son, who's just about to turn 17, said, Dad, doesn't it seem like 2015 has blown by so quick? I said, I know. I said, everybody's saying that. I said, I know uh, you always feel that way from time to time, but everybody I talk to feels like 2015 is just streaming right by here we are we're already into the playoffs the baseball and that that'll be wrapping up here comes basketball football week five already here man just uh it's amazing you gotta you gotta grab it and make the most of it man i mean around the corner it's halloween and the boogeyman and then here comes thanksgiving and christmas and 2016 Guys, we got a lot to get into. Baseball playoffs rolling. Going to talk football. BJ Riddell joins us just about 30, eh, 25 minutes from now. BJ will be here. Fantasy football for winners. And we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the little insider scandal thing going on with DraftKings and FanDuel. Dan Wismar joins us 45 minutes from now to preview the Browns and the Ravens, the Buckeyes and Maryland and, and so much. But you're going to kick us off here on the Sports Fix. Caller, what's happening, my man? Uh, good morning, J-Rock. Good morning. That's my man, Bruce. What's happening? Uh, not much. I just uh, had a couple of things. Uh, Real quick, I, I got one for you. The... I got one for you. Before you go into anything else, man, didn't you go to uh, – you went to Pittsburgh the other day and watched the, the playoff game, yes? Yes. And I yeah. got to tell you, they're like none I've ever been in. They we're, uh, we're talking are the baseball. friendliest people you baseball. ever met in your life. And uh, – I mean, it was just uh, a great atmosphere. You know what? And and I just want to clarify for people: Bruce is uh, talking baseball. By the way, I've there is a that's a completely different atmosphere. I've got a lot of wrestling up there, and of course, you know the Browns, the Steelers, all all. But that you know, when you get to football, there's definitely a different tone. You're absolutely right when it comes to the uh, to the Pirates. I've had a lot of people that have gone up there and said enjoyable baseball experience, but it looked like that place was a madhouse for for the game. I'll tell you, I don't think there was another black T-shirt or jersey. I think everyone <laughs> had, they wore a pirate shirt and a Cubs hat. You know, I had no uh, actual preference no. on who won. Yeah, no but, doubt. But I'll tell you what, there was a guy in me, and he said, I'm only a Cubs fan because I'm, uh, you know, my wife told me I was, you know. And it's <laughs> like, you know, into it. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you know, he said, you know, I, I was born and raised in Pittsburgh, but, you know, I married a Cubs fan, so obviously now I'm a Cubs fan. But, um, I mean, that's the way it was all night. I mean, we laughed, we joked, um, you know, I don't know, like a big happy family, you know. I mean, the kicker, that's what I was going to ask you about, is the atmosphere afterwards, because I'm rolling, they were feeling good, and then boom, that you, of course, out of them. And you have such a great season combined each to be to be just a hair under 100 wins for each team. I think it's such a kick in the gut. I mean, when the Indians went one and done a couple of years ago, that wasn't, you know, 97, 98 wins. That is, that is a hell of a regular season accomplishment to have it 
three hours and whooshed away, and you're sitting at home with ever how good of a season you had here sitting at home watching it. But it was exciting, though. I mean, you oh, knew yeah. you knew going in, it was it was one and done. You knew one of these teams weren't going to play. It's just and that gets me to seed it differently. But you can't without throwing out the divisions. And then at that point, what's the point of competing for a division title? But you know, it okay. What do you got? You, if you play the first round of the playoffs, right. if the the first wild card team. You're talking about reseeding the first. in the second round, right? Like once you get past the first round, you reseed the teams. No, I'm talking the, the one and done. Right. Okay. Okay. Don't play the two American League teams against each other. Play one American League team, the the lower seed against the lower seed in the National League, and the lower seed and the number two against the number two. Yeah, but then in the National if, League. Yeah, but you can't do that because then, then what if the, what if two American League teams advance? Then you screw up the whole the whole bracket. I mean, that doesn't work. I don't see how that works. I mean, I'm all about thinking outside the box, but I don't I don't see how that works. But I, I, I I'm I'm with you. I'll think about that. Because okay, now, gotta, now you know how about I mean? two out of three? Change see, it to now, two out of three, like you would a regular uh, season series. See now that. I like, and I know that baseball is, I don't know, I don't know, maybe they can be convinced, however, gonna get, it's going to get too deep into the, the winter time for them to do that. Now, that's something that I could see as a trade-off for a bit of a shorter season, because there's all that talk that they may eventually agree to shorten the season. Maybe that's part of the trade-off. Maybe your uh, uh, wild card be- becomes the best of three series, and then the other series are all best of seven or something, so that that allows you to have more playoff games. Not necessarily more. Real quick, I'll ask you while we're talking about baseball, what do you think about Dan Wismar's idea, which I really like, about going to the split season format and doing the 81 game first half, and then you, you set your playoff teams from there, and then the second half of the season starts over like they did in 82 when they had to strike. And you then get your second set of playoff teams from the, the second run of the season. And then the playoffs begin. Think about how many, how much that would change the dynamic. And all of a sudden it's not one incredibly long season that starts to get monotonous. It's two much more compact runs and each one gives you an opportunity to start over. Yeah, instead of a marathon, you have two uh, 10Ks. Yeah, pretty much, exactly. You know? you know, I mean, I know there's there's going to be problems with any idea that you come up with, but I thought that that's one of the better ones that I've heard for a while, especially if you, you still cut 150-game season and you did two 75-game halves, and then you add the wild card, you make it best of three or best of five instead of being a one-game playoff and being out. The, the one I heard was that you – you make a national league. You don't have divisions. You have all one league, like it used and you to add be more teams the to the playoffs. Well, like that's how it was before they they began the divisional format. It used to just be American League and National right. League, and and one team from each. Now, I, but I this way you could that. add more teams to the playoffs, like football does, but without the uh, divisions. But here's the thing, and Bruce, you're a guy that's pretty big on. 
you know, you nailed the NFL for having and, and basketball, rightfully so. I believe that when I don't get into sub 500 teams making the playoffs and stuff, but wouldn't you be for no. the line? Because you already had a point where an 86 win team got a wild card here this year, you know? I mean, that's Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The lowest. The last two seasons have been the, the two lowest records that have ever gotten a playoff. And obviously, that's a one additional playoff spot. I think it's already too much. But compared to the other sports, it's not. I know what you're saying. They all get more teams right, in. Right, right. But... But then again, if you did the two two half seasons, then I would be up for that because then. You, oh, you I know, totally agree with yeah. the way Dan was going with that. Yeah, I mean, that, exactly. That made perfect sense. Yep, that's that's that, that'll be interesting because I know that they're coming to a point where there there's there's gonna have to be some changes without without changing the whole fabric of what you because that's the thing you basically record books because you'd have to keep a whole different set of statistics now for a shorter schedule for a second half you know all those different things so I don't know man but then again at the same time. They let in 20 years, however long, and they, they didn't care about that. So maybe maybe they will make some changes. All right, Bruce, we're talking a lot of baseball. Yeah, let but- me wrap it up with this. Who do you think is coming out of this thing? I, even though, and I'll be honest, I'm even setting myself up with this one because they're already down a game before the playoffs started. I said I thought Toronto and the Cubs would be my picks to get through. Now, Toronto's already down one game, and they've got to try to bounce back here today. But uh, that was what I had. Who do you got? Well, Toronto's definitely the toughest team. I mean, they have everything. I mean, they went out and spent a lot of money needed. But I Astros because I thought they were the most improved team. And I'm also a Cubs fan, so, you know, I'd like to see the Astros and Cubs at the end. I know that's probably not going to happen, but those are the two that I would really like to see. And I hear you. It's new. It's fresh. All of that. The one thing that I was telling you off the air, and I will say this on the air, is that a series, it, uh, I also believe that it will be the lowest rated World Series in it doesn't feel like uh, that would attract the attention of America, even though it would attract base hubs. But, but I think that the Astro, I mean, they were, I think, weren't they already a part of uh, the worst watched world series ever? So I don't know. Plus three years ago, I was telling you this off the air. That was just a bad national league baseball series, the Cubs and the Astros. So I don't know that I would like to see that. I would from the baseball perspective though, but I think, Hey man, I think the other reason I like Toronto, is you know you get the international world series going you know you get it's good for the game i think so it doesn't matter though any of these teams as we've talked about off the air other than the dynasty teams you know keep the 
keep the Dodgers away. Yeah, you know, those kind and of the Cardinals as anti-Cardinals as some of you guys. But I get your point to been taken care of and, uh, and so on. And so on. what else is going on, man? Cavaliers, they're playing uh, some basketball. I have questions for you. What do you All know right, about shoot. this Quinn Cook? Uh, not much, about as much as you do. The interesting, I was joking with some guys the other day when uh, when we were watching a little bit of the first game and uh, saw him going off, and we're like, well, I, I should blow it up tomorrow. You guys should just start calling him. David Blatt's an idiot. Why has LeBron got no, to say No, I'm not Quinn? saying that, no, but I'm I mean, joking, I was kind but... of impressed with him. He, he yeah, did move absolutely. a lot without the ball, and uh, you know, he shot when he had to. I'll tell you what, there's literally like a roster spot sitting out for all of these bottom guys to be playing for, you've got to figure, you know? So, uh, who, uh, oh, oh, last night, um, the kid had 31. Doggone it. it, it the name is right uh, on the tip of my tongue. Uh, yes, exactly. At, at 31, you're going to see that, especially because, did you guys notice, by the way, the Cavs have the have the most screwy preseason schedule. Is it every team in the NBA? Is this like a new thing? With all the back-to-backs in the preseason, because I don't, I do not remember the preseason being like that before. I remember, especially like I specific, they would go on these uh, like barnstorming tours across the state of Ohio, and sometimes even into other markets. Like when they had Doherty, they'd always play a game down in in the Carolinas down there for the for those fans and different things. But there would be a game every couple of days and you'd play, you know, your preseason games over the course of three weeks. And the Cavs have set, what, seven games, but back-to-backs, back-to-backs, back-to-backs in the preseason. I don't know if that's every team, but uh, it's going to hurt. It's not going to hurt the Cavs in the long run. They're their ability to get everybody to play a lot in the preseason because they aren't going to play the second night of a back-to-back in the preseason. And you're going to, so you, it'll hear God, I hate that term, but all the way through until January is this off the little bit that we saw number one, just happy to see basketball again, but uh, where this team's going all team of where they're going to go Monday, actually maybe a good a good look at this squad because you'll get maybe Kevin Love back and then you'll see perhaps the whole team with the exception and Kyrie and uh, and Shumpert who aren't there. But, I mean, even without those main pieces, uh, you still you get a glimpse already at where these Cavs are coming from, and I cannot wait for the first game. Okay, next question. Uh, Jefferson, um, how yeah. much of a hey. – I don't know if his legs are going to stand up in January, February, March, but uh, I like what I see already from Jefferson. He's, I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a good piece. I think he's going to be what you thought you were getting last year in Sean Marion, but Sean Marion was done. He didn't have another, uh, another one in the tank. And I don't think that's the okay. Case now I, I was thinking uh, like the Nate Thurman thing, you know, where, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he plays like, you know, maybe 10, 12 minutes, 14 minutes at the most and just gives everybody else a breather. Absolutely. Oh, there's lots of places that I could. I mean, there's so many different places that I could see usage for him there. And, and right along there with 12 to 15 minutes a night, I was probably thinking when I was looking at it, you know, and you can already see he's still got the jumper. He's got a nice three point stroke. I mean, what is last year? He was still over uh, hair over forty percent, and uh, and that's going to be needed here to space the floor and and all of that. We need shooters, but he can still get to the hoop a little bit, as we saw. He can still dunk a little oh, bit. Yeah, dunk throw, of the night. Throw the hammer down. 
He had the dunk of the was, night the other night, man. Yes, he did. So he still got spring in the legs. I never saw Sean Marion dunk like that in in the preseason last year. He's still got spring in the legs. The the key is maintaining that throughout the throughout the rest of the season. Speaking of, real quick, just something funny. Speaking of how teams maintain players, because we're going to hear that word maintenance a lot from the Cavs here this year with all these players and and trying to milk their minutes and protect them for the playoffs. Is uh, I got a kick out of San Antonio. I don't know if you guys anybody saw the blurb that came from LaMarcus always tweaked his back. I can't remember what it was, but something was tweaked on him in his uh, in their beginning practice there. And he came to practice, and he walked up to Pop, and, and Pop put his hand on his back and said, Welcome to the Spurs. Take a seat. And he learned real quick right, that when you, right. when you play for the hurt, you rest. We don't we don't force these things. We don't hurt players for no reason in the preseason. And uh, he just chuckled at that because that was his his introduction to being a San Antonio Spur was welcome to the team. Go sit down. He took a seat right next to the coach. Right. You know. Right. So the it was a great picture because you know he was like sitting right next to the coach, like he wasn't going to let him out of his sight to get up and go anywhere. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, my last point, uh, you, um, you were talking about uh, Hoyer throwing for 300 yards last night. Yeah, I mean, I'm, now, I mean look, according... he didn't win the game, but he looked good. If you watched the game, he looked good. That was I was telling people, I said, damn, why didn't he be this consistent at, at the at the key parts last year? Because And we all know what happened. I don't want to go down that, but – but he looked very consistent. He delivered a good ball. I mean, he even ran for a couple of first downs last night. I don't know if you saw the game or not, but. No, I was watching baseball. Okay. Um, like today, there's four games oh, on. Yeah, all I'm, day. I'm, <laughs> I'm here from noon till the morning. Till so. midnight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, about the Browns. No, I watched baseball. It's top priority. No, yeah. I was going to say about the 300-yard uh, uh, has a career. Two and nine. You know, you – when you have men, you know, with the Browns, as we know, their offense, and, you know, if he has to throw over 300 yards every week, you know, this is not going to be an exciting season or anything, but, um, you know, that's many times in a game. Well, no, I hear you. And you know what? I thought last week really – some of those pass attempts were those are running plays in today's NFL. Some are actually running plays, but they're just they're called a pass because it's the actual motion of throwing a pass. But they're little quick swing outs and stuff. But I I do I'll be honest. If the defense had had been doing its job so far this season, people would be talking differently about the Browns' offense because the talk would be about how compared to what people expect. It's been the opposite. People expected a run in the passing game. They've gotten a, a decent passing game here, and it's the running game. Although, and Bruce, I know how you are with the Browns, but Duke Johnson, finally healthy, opportunities to play. You saw a little bit about why they drafted that kid in the third round like they did and why people said he's going to be good by week 10. I think it's going to be sooner than that. I think that he may be splitting the starter reps 50-50 as soon as this week with uh, Urban that they got from Seattle. A lot of people talk about how that is that the Browns were fortunate to be able to snag in the preseason, and obviously he's based this week. But I do think that the next few weeks, because of the addition or the emergence of those two, Duke Johnson, I'm telling you, that kid can play. You saw he's got some hands. He can catch the ball. He's got some good moves in the open field. Uh, I think that... uh, 
I think that you're going to see, like I said, I think he's going to, if not sooner, no doubt in my mind. So if that happens, then you can't really complain to get you some points, has been able to, to play at least as well or better than we thought they would. It's the defense that's been the absolute letdown, and if they don't turn that over 600 yards, you can you can have Manziel throw. It doesn't matter who's out there, the way the defense is. I, I can't. You know, my only problem is if you murphs that many times, you're, you know, you're just asking for it. The other thing that I think makes it kind of amazing is, and you know what? They do have, and he's not a giant, but, you know, the, there are effects in the padding game, which you need to with this team. I mean, especially when you thought you were going to get something out of Dwayne Bow, thought you were going to get something in the preseason anyways out of Terrell Pryor. By the way, what is it to just want to turn players into a different position? What is this? I had some, some messages on the Facebook about uh, Justin Gilbert. What is our that guy stinks? We're gonna put him in a different position and see if we can teach him a totally Santana at third base, which the first one to admit that. But only new do in the NFL. Let's put Terrell. Pro- Let, I don't know where that in is. The well, kid, the kid's having a hard my enough first time. My thought on that was that uh, the corner and one of the position they hopefully keep it roll because he had. Yeah, I had, I had to dump the call. I don't know what was going on. I had a break anyway, and I'm glad that Ruse got to talking about the Browns there because it's kind of the up with that conversation. We're going to talk some NFL fantasy, all of that coming. We'll start it when we come back from the break. BJ Rivers, BJ is going to join us here. But I want to talk to him a bit and had some, if you were listening to the show Wednesday, and a lot of people didn't hear Wednesday's show, but uh, FanDuel employees from betting on and with the guru himself. Ms. Mars is going to join us. He's with us 20 minutes from now. We'll preview the Brown, the Rayland, and so much more as when we come back. Fantasy joins us, and we'll start talking some folks. Coming next here on Get your fix. Because it's Friday. You ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. It's the Sports Fix. We'll be right back. Before we go to the break, I want to talk to you a little bit again about our good friends at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead, the UFC, the ultimate fighting championship today. Each and every one of their huge events, Harry Buffalo, you can go there and watch each and every UFC fight. Ever. The people are out the door. They are to the rafters. It is one of the craziest environments for some UFC fights. Wing Mondays, they've got great deals on wings, different special, a different deal. And don't forget the Bison Burger, the unbelievable. It is the combination of a fantastic burger and unbelievable sandwich you have got to get whatever you're looking for whatever day of the week monday through friday saturday sundays there's something for you at the harry buffalo north olmstead just out today harry buffalo join the herd the sports fix load the free iheart app today subscribe to the show and get your fix how to be a great dad in 15 seconds Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story. Because the smallest smells life. Take time to be a dad to dad 411 or visit the U.S. Department of Health and Human. You put so much time, hard work, and effort into playing week to week that it quickly stops being a fantasy and, and starts, starts getting to off those victories with a real prize. I mean, a really real prize. Nobody, Nobody does, does that, that like, like fantasy, fantasy jocks. jocks. The crew over at Fantasy Jocks have beautiful, high-quality, and heavy-duty championship belts bring all your fantasy sports needs. There's literally a fantasyjocks.com. Fantasy 
everybody. This is Jerry the King Lawler from WWE, and you're listening to the Sports Fix. reintroduce this segment. Jack said 10 days not an issue anymore. At this point, don't forget Cleveland fan. Everybody hates Cleveland. Down to the Buckeyes and all conversation and the question gets up on Facebook, Twitter, email, facebook.com slash Twitter at the Sports Fix CL.com Sports Fix Twitter at the Sports Fix CLE email us. The Sports Fix at lines right now. Anyway, we'll my man BJ in on the Converse forum about that the fan duel in DraftKings. BJ Dell, fantasy football for winners. How you doing, my man? Good, Jerry. Friend, thanks for joining us. How's your week been? I start uh, yesterday. I started Arian Foster in the two leagues where I drafted him. I drafted him in the, uh, the sixth and seventh round in those two leagues. And uh, he's starting to pay dividends. It's you know it's a little bit of a slow build. He's still getting his few legs, but uh, uh, this is where guys who are willing to take a risk and pick an injured player, you know, in the middle round, first few weeks, you know, it's like getting the best free agent pickup imaginable. Hey, I wanted to talk to you before we get to talking about fantasy football itself. Uh, what have you, or you know, I don't know in the news. I'm sure. What are your thoughts? Uh, sure. I found it interesting and talked about it the other day. The uh, you know now the stories are out. There's all kinds of investigations being called on. But uh, how about DraftKings FanDuel? And I, I never really thought of this before until the, I, I saw it being talked about and investigated the other day. How impl- apparently there had been some employees from one and the other. Now they can't bet on their own sites. They've never been allowed to play on their own. There are some accusations that proprietary because the information that these sites have on how they rank right. the players and the dollar amounts and the values, they've got to know the tricks and they've got to know the secrets and all of that and the way to, to beat the system. Yeah. So that's right. That, yeah. That came out this week that uh, yeah. now they they've banned their employees from being on other sites, but like a uh, fan of the $2 billion they've paid out over six million dollars of it was won by employees of DraftKings and there's of course questioning were they using the proprietary information and formulas to basically all that well it's uh first of all I'm all in favor of the investigations anyone should be uh it's ridiculous I I play these things you know I, I I play one of the sites I've been doing it for about 10 months mostly to just help stay current on how players are being priced out so I can respond to questions on my site better but uh, you know i do one and two dollar bets yeah um i won i won phone call drop gotta love that phone call drops out bj riddell <laughs> in the middle of a conversation here we go uh with this once again hopefully he will call right back and i'll get him right back in on the conversation you guys uh is anybody hearing me out there because i see in the chat room that apparently Uh, Everybody was bumped off there. You got to love this. Guys, again, I apologize. This is this is Bush League. This is amateur hour stuff right here. And unfortunately, uh, I'm as much a victim of it as you guys are. And I once again remind you that uh, we are 10 days and counting away from this. It'll be a week from Monday when we get back that this thing will be taken care of and we will no longer 
have this problem. Meanwhile, B.J. Riddell uh, may not even realize that he is uh, talking to an empty phone right now. I've had that happen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've been myself before, so I'm texting him right now to call back, and I'm telling you guys thank you once again for being patient with us here as we uh, as we continue to deal with these issues. You're listening to the Sports Fix. J Rock here. BJ Riddell will be right back on with me. Fantasy football for winners. What we were just talking about was. Uh, that story. As a matter of fact, here we go now. We'll get BJ right back in on the conversation. Hey, BJ, there we go, my friend. Sorry about that, brother. No, no, it's all good. Sorry. So, if, uh, as you were saying, no, 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 that. it's not. It's I, on our end. It's on our end. Don't worry about it. So, you were talking about you play for for those yeah. as well. Yeah. If, if, so, the point is, some of these employees who are playing knew that certain players were severely undervalued in a given week. So let's say Alex Smith is owned by 2%, Aaron Rodgers by 20%. You could extrapolate from that that, oh, my competitor site, it's probably the same kind of breakout. You've got the same you know, demographics playing both types of games. So therefore, if I start Alex Smith, I know that if he goes off, I'm part of a very small, small pool of people who are going to benefit from that. That gives that person a competitive edge because if Smith then goes off, there's very few other people who are going to be able to get the value at the quarterback position that that person did. So you can take a chance on, you know, in one game on one or two guys that are undervalued and win a lot of money as a differentiator against the rest of the population. The other problem I have with it is that people could invariably ask their parents to play on their behalf or they could ask their spouse or girlfriend to play on their behalf, tease them the information if they wanted to, there's nothing stopping that from happening. So the fact that these sites hire people who play the game, they don't hire business people. They're hiring people who enjoy and have a passion for fantasy sports, which is great, but there should have been a ban right at the outset in the same way that if I'm a you know, stockbroker, I shouldn't be allowed to buy and sell the stocks that I'm advising people to buy and sell because I can then profit off of what I know at the expense of the people that I'm trying to help. Uh, so it's it's a very tricky business. It should have been investigated a while ago, especially with NFL teams invested. You know, you have two, I think two NFL owners invested financially in the success of these companies. It needed This needed to happen sooner rather than later so that we can clean it up and make sure that all of us are on level ground and really based on all, all of our knowledge, all of our, our picks on research, and not on inside information. 
Yeah, I agree with you. When I heard that, like, I, I don't know, you know, I'm one of those conspiracy guys too. I'll find, I'll find something here and there and go. Hey, words in the in the English language is what if. But when I saw that, I said, "Son of a gun!" I never even thought about that aspect of it of and, and betting on the other and and knowing uh, knowing these things. Because as you said, because Larry in the chat room asked me, "What does that all that have to do with how a player wins money?" and and it, directly it doesn't but indirectly it does if you know as he was saying the percent because to me and and tell me if you look at it differently but when i play uh, such as on DraftKings or whatever i'll you know the key to me is finding those two percent guys finding the guys that's right that nobody right. else is you like i always joke with my friends i'll be like look look 1.9 percent you know 3.4 look nobody's playing these guys because to me right it's you know that's how you 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 either win or lose or whatever that's that that's how i love like to do it that's right so the, the game that i won overall um that shocked the heck out of me I, you know I, it was a baseball one but uh, I, I had Kelly Johnson, one of my starters, Braves outfielder, uh, you know, converted outfielder to a second base and not a, not a big power hitter. I just, I just felt like, well, he's going up against a pretty bad pitcher. Almost no one had Kelly Johnson that day. If I had worked for FanDuel or DraftKings, I could have been very savvy and said, you know what, I'm going to play one regular one and I'm going to play one with one or two guys that nobody else has. Uh, and if they hit a home run at a cheap price, all that extra money that I have, fake money that I can use for the roster, I'm basically ahead at that point across the way. And I did that inadvertently with Kelly Johnson, not knowing how much ownership he's going to have, but almost no one had him. He had a huge day. He had like a homer and a double and a, you know, a few RBIs and ended up winning. And, and he was the difference maker. So imagine someone doing that in every contest, every single time. Saying you know Jalen Strong owned by 0.6 percent of the people on a you know on a on a contest. Well, hey, you know what? I'll put I'll do one with Jalen Strong. I'll do one with uh, with Mumphrey, you know, the other receiver, and I'll do one with Andre Johnson. You know, none of them are owned by more than three percent of the people. If one of them goes off, if you're not playing, if you're not on the inside and you don't know the percentage place, it's it's the actuality of it. It's actually an advantage. And plus, they know the tweaks. Like, you know, I'm not saying that he's not on the up and up, but they know exactly why they do. So it's like, it's That's like, a, right. you know, a used car salesman going to another car lot. And so when the guy comes to him with the, the sales pitch and goes, this is my bottom line price, the used car salesman goes, yeah, 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 that's where I start with too. But I know that you're really <laughs> saying that your bottom line price is here because you already know the game. And so there, when you look, and plus, they've got access to all the historical information. So you know uh, how That's everybody's right. performed in every game and who's bet on what and how the players have performed and and who's been the the biggest steal week to week for two straight seasons and, and so there's a lot of a lot of ways that you, I wish right. I was smart enough to think of that to be honest with you man I, I and don't the, wait, and the, doggone it how come all the, the good fact, ones get pulled off before <laughs> we hear about them man like man. That's right that's right I always find um, out about these things too late, VJ. Anyways, <laughs> I figured that would be something you'd have some interest in too, besides just the actual fantasy football. Now let's talk some no, fantasy absolutely. football. You it's, it's you asked me Monday. Stuff. 
Yes, yeah, for sure. I think it is as well. You texted me Monday and said, hey, J-Rock, how'd your, how'd your weekend go? And I said, shut up, man. I said, fantasy football <laughs> is for losers that can't play real football because that's the mood I'm in after the last couple of weeks. I've had a million points sitting on the bench because now all of a sudden yeah. Hankerson wants to go off and this guy wants to go off and that guy wants to go off. I got C.J. Anderson who can't play no ball. Jeremy Hill, he's only splitting time. Some weeks he'll get you two points, some weeks he'll get you 24. I'm all over the place, my man. What is what is happening in the fantasy football world through four weeks? Uh, what's happening is, is one of the things I've talked about over the years. The first thing is uh, avoid chasing points. When someone scores a lot of points in one week, it doesn't mean, it often doesn't mean, that they're going to score a lot the next week. Elite players, yeah, they can usually sustain that most weeks. Middling players, you know, the guys who are not necessarily every week starters, people who jump on the bandwagons tend to keep jumping on new bandwagons because you're just yes. chasing last week's points over and over again. So you take a guy like Leonard Hankerson, who I was very high on this preseason. I said he was going to overtake Roddy yes, White this did. year and be yes. the number two guy in Atlanta. But it doesn't mean that he's an every week starter. Uh, Roddy White's been complaining to the media. Same thing happened with Jimmy Graham indirectly. He didn't complain in the media, but it was kind of a whisper campaign two weeks ago. And then you saw Jimmy Graham go off for, you know, whatever, 80 yards and a touchdown. I think Roddy White is going to have a nice game this week because he's complaining and it's time to sit Hankerson. So it's all about understanding the flow of it. The fact that a guy like Larry Fitzgerald won't get two touchdowns every game. At a certain point, it's unsustainable. The Travis Benjamin eventually will slow down. The James Jones is on pace for... 1,600 yards and 20-something TDs, significant impact going forward because he can't sustain that. Defenses will adjust who they're covering, how they're covering, you know, what schemes they're using. And at least see more room, maybe the linebackers pull back to prevent the 10-yard pass, the underneath pass, and, and, and as a result, Eddie Lacy starts to run the ball a little more successfully. So there's a give and take. There's a flow to fantasy football. And the, the ones who are successful at it, and I'm not saying – any of us are not successful. Some years I'm not successful at it. But where we can be successful at it is anticipating the points, not chasing the points. And that's my biggest thing for everyone going into week five. All right. I'm going to interrupt your fantasy football conversation and insert mine. Hang on. Leonard Hankerson, man. Let me stop you right there because I've set him on my bench all season long waiting for him to, <laughs> to emerge. Now he's emerged and he's got a matchup here with Washington, which is a, a, a pretty good matchup at home. And I'm, I just put him in the starting lineup this week, especially because Calvin right. Johnson hasn't been helping me out a ton. I've got here this team that I'm specifically referring to. I mean, I've got Keenan Allen, who's been a he's been a bench post all season long, you know, and right. uh, uh, I was looking good at tight end until Austin Jenkins got hurt. So then I've just been filling in, but I'm good. I've got Gary Barnage, and I think that he's gonna I think he's gonna get catches all season long because the Browns are relying on the tight end very heavily in the, yeah. in the yeah. offense. But I, I just moved Hankerson in because I liked his matchup better than John Brown this week. I've got Martavis Bryant, but he's still got to get. Uh, get himself he's not may not even play yet this week i'm not sure i've got tavon austin john brown and then i've got alshon jeffrey who has yet to do anything really this season so would you replace hankerson back with john brown i thought this was the perfect week to put him in the lineup you're saying no pull back i, I would go all out with alshon jeffrey jeffrey's a top okay. 12 receiver uh who's been hurt 
and the assumption is that he'll start this week. The latest that I saw, anything can change. But with Jay Cutler healthy, he and Alshon had terrific chemistry last year. Say people can say what they want about Cutler. He's a he's a top sixteen quarterback when healthy. Always has been. Uh, he just happens to be, uh, you know, have a bad reputation personally, and happens to play with a terrible defense, and it makes him make bad decisions. Uh, he's not as bad as people say. He's not as great as he thinks he is. But Alshon Jeffrey's not going to suffer for it. So Alshon Jeffrey's an every week starter when he's healthy, and that's what I would do. I, it's tough because Hankerson is a guy who I've been pushing really hard on people. You know, from since it doesn't mean that he's an every week starter. It means that he's a top forty guy, and he seems invincible. There's a sense of invincibility with players when they do well. Look at Todd Gurley. His value goes from a 2 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10. For some people, I've seen people swap elite receivers for him this past week. It, 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 people are swept up by what they've done. You know. uh, and so the thing with you receiver on a team that has a healthy running game, uh, and they're playing a Redskins team that, yeah, isn't that great. They're nicked up in, you know, uh, in the cornerback position. But uh, – but they're not as bad as they were last year. The GM's done a good job of patching together a decent team. And I don't think Hankerson is going to be this 80-yard TD guy every week. He's going to be a 30-yard guy one week, one week an 80-yard TD guy another week, a 60-yard guy the next week. And that's going to all add up to about 800 to 950 yards and about six scores. That's what you can expect from Hankerson. So I would rather start a guy like Jeffrey, who's got 1,212 potential over the course of a full season. See, I'm with you there. My thing with Alshon Jeffrey is I, I'm I'm at the at the point here with him where at the same time I'm not sure what to expect from him. I understand that you're high on him and I know why, but the Bears offense is a mess. They've had problems obviously at the quarterback position, injuries all over, and Jeffrey hasn't been right. healthy either. So I, I gotta tell you, so far, I mean, he was looking to me like he may dial up as a real uh, fantasy bust this season, in my opinion. And Calvin Johnson hasn't exactly been burning down the charts either. Yeah, it's there's a lot of you know, it's we're still only at the quarter turn, you know, the first quarter of the season. And so, you know, Eddie Lacy last year, the first three weeks, people were bailing on him. They were trading him for a you know a sandwich uh, because he was getting 40 yards, 60 yards, 50 yards. Uh, uh, I probably don't have that exactly right, but he was pretty much worthless as a fantasy player, but he was playing really tough defenses. And so the reality is with a lot of great players, uh, most great players, they figure it out. Uh, Calvin Johnson's a good example. Last week, I traded Calvin Johnson for Jeremy Hill in my work league. Obviously, I came out ahead on that, at least in the first week. Now I've just traded... Mark Ingram to get Calvin Johnson back. So I've upgraded, in my opinion, from Ingram to Hill. I think Hill is a better long-term player than Ingram, who's battling Kyrie Robinson, and C.J. Spiller will get more involved as the season goes on. And I'm getting back the focal point of a team's offense, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson's not going to end the season with 750 yards and you know one touchdown. He's going to end the season probably about 1,100-plus yards. He's going to have about anywhere from five to nine touchdowns. Realistically, that's an every-week starter. So it, it, it all evens out. It's defense is adjusting. It's offense is adjusting. And if you catch it at the right time, that's where you get the, you know, the, the, the monster performances. Jeremy Hill is a great example. Yeah, I'll give you one week. more. Philip Rivers. Last week I traded yes. Lamar Miller for Philip Rivers. 
I was eyeing Philip Rivers because I was looking ahead and saying, all right, his offensive line is a mess, but it's going to get healthy. And six of his next seven games are against very, very beatable pass defenses. I have Ben Roethlisberger in that league. I'm waiting for him to get healthy. I'm going to give up on Lamar Miller. I hate doing it, but I'm going to get the 19th-ranked quarterback in fantasy, Philip Rivers. Who would do that? Why would you trade for the 19th-ranked quarterback? Why wouldn't I trade for the 8th-ranked? Why wouldn't I pick up Andy Dalton, who was the third-ranked at the time? It was because I sensed that over the next six or seven weeks, Philip Rivers would be the best quarterback of, 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 outside of maybe the top five. Uh, and I stand by that. And I think I got a steal in that. Rivers had a, was the number one fantasy quarterback last week. And that's the key. It's about timing. It's not about just inserting someone who had big points the week before. You're listening to the Sports Fix. We crossed over into hour two here. A couple minutes left with B.J. Riddell, fantasy football for winners. All right, B.J., let's look around here this week. And, and give me a second. I hate to say this, but one of the – you must play them this week if you got them, guys. To me, is against the Browns. It's got to be Justin Forsett. I mean, he had a huge yeah. game last week, and the Browns cannot stop the run. As a matter of fact, they are, at least on the daily sites, they are the sixth worst as far as points allowed to running backs in fantasy football this season are wow. the Browns. So. Uh, that's a huge day coming, in my opinion, for Justin Forsett. They let Talia Farrow go off on him last year, if I remember right. But uh, Forsett, I think, right. I think he's going to have a big game here against the Browns. Yeah, and uh, this is one of those games where a lot of people are expecting uh, uh, Baltimore to handle Cleveland from the running side because of that matchup. It means that Cleveland might be focused on stopping the run as a result because Joe Flacco just doesn't have his normal weapons. Steve Smith is hurt. Uh, Crockett Gilmore is out the tight end. So he's playing with Kamar Aiken, Marlon Brown, uh, Chris Givens. You know, it's, it's a third-tier group where Kamar Aiken is really the best of the group, and he's a pretty good asset, but he's not a natural number one. So then the question becomes, if Forsett is just your traditional running up the middle, running up the side, running, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, that you're right on that. But where, where he needs to be involved is the passing game. Where yeah. Forsett was so valuable last year is with the dump-off passes, just a more, you know, kind of an Arian Foster light kind of guy uh, who could rush for 60 and, and catch and run for 50 and get one, you know, get a score. That was the kind of value that Forsett provided. And I think for him to be able to do what, what you and I agree probably will happen is to be a more dynamic weapon last week it was really him getting more involved in the passing game. If he's going to send off Talia Farrow, if he's going to send off Javarius Allen for the whole season. I'll tell you what, the Browns, uh, not only problems on the field defensively in real football, but fantasy football as well. Uh, when you look, matter of fact, I saw them on a list from, it was I think it was pro football reference, but uh, looking at the uh, average uh, fantasy points allowed, by defenses here, uh, the Browns five worst. The Falcons, the Chargers, the Cowboys, the Browns, the Rams, the five Oof. best five best defenses to face so far uh, for your wow. offensive players as far as uh, points that they've allowed. That's uh, uh, some interesting stuff there. Yeah, uh, the, you know, there are some surprises on that list, and uh, and so it'll be interesting to see you know, how that shifts over the course of the season. Some of it this early has to do with scheduling. You know, you play the Patriots or you play Pittsburgh, uh, you know, early on the season, and that can really skew the results. 
Uh, but in Cleveland's case, it, it, it doesn't matter who they play. It seems like they're just going to be one of those teams that people can run on and people can pass on. Joe Hayden isn't the same kind of force that he was a few years ago. Uh, and that, you know, that's had a ripple effect. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, man. Look around the league here. Give me a couple. What do you got? Who, who do you got to play? Who do you got to sit? And who are a couple of uh, of good streamers here, perhaps, for this week in week five? Well, I mentioned Rivers. Uh, he's a great guy to uh, to grab. I mentioned Kamar Aiken, uh, who's a great streamer because he's available in most leagues. Alex Smith, I mentioned him in the fan, you know, FanDuel DraftKings discussion. Uh, he's facing a Bears defense at home, and he's coming off probably his worst game and most completely out of his element. I, I'm not a fan of Alex Smith. He's averaged 1.1 TDs per game uh, over his career, uh, which quarterbacks, or I like running backs, coming off an embarrassingly bad game uh, because it, it's sure enough, especially if you're a quarterback, the team needs you to step up. Yeah. And and these guys are all professionals, and it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to get more talented. It means that they might be able to execute more effectively because the plays that are drawn up and the way they go about preparing for the game might shift. Um, so those are some guys that uh, you know that I would consider targeting. Terrence Williams is still the main guy in Dallas, and what I like about the Dallas uh, New England game is that Brandon Whedon's going to have to pass. Uh, and New England's defense is not elite. It's good, but it's not elite. And so I like guys like Terrence Williams this week, who I was uber high on uh, this preseason. And then Romo went down, Des Bryant went down. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering, how is this all going to shake out? At the end of the day, he's far and away the best talent they have in the receiving game. Uh, I would just caution people in Atlanta. Uh, you know, Devontae Freeman's done what very few people have done, you know, getting back-to-back three touchdown games. Right now, he's regarded as one of the great uh, in, in, in football. And I will submit that in five weeks, no one will be saying he's one of the greats. Devontae Freeman uh, struggled last year, and this year is different from last, than last year. He struggled behind Steven Jackson. Um, and, uh, and they drafted, Atlanta drafted Tevin Coleman for a reason. And in fact, before Coleman went down two and a half weeks ago, uh, Coleman was the number one running back, and Freeman was the you know close. Uh, Coleman was playing very well, not as well as Freeman, but was playing very well. Uh, what you'll see is Freeman, because guys do not get three touchdown games back to back without defenses changing the entire way that they focus on the team. And you will see Tevin Coleman rise back through the ranks, and maybe by week seven, week eight, week nine, you'll see more parity in that backfield, and Coleman might be able to reclaim it. It happens in most backfields where somebody loses the spot, 
and then there's a fight to see if they can reclaim it. Jeremy Hill was one of the exceptions last year. He lost it to Gio, he gained it to Gio Bernard when Gio Bernard got hurt, and then he kept it because he earned it. Devontae Freeman is not a Jeremy Hill caliber person, uh, player, excuse me, and Tevin Coleman is better than people remember before he got hurt. So I just want to caution people anyone who explodes, uh, you know, and does amazing things. That's often the time to trade them. That is usually not the time to sit back, relax, and enjoy it. You know what? You set me up perfectly. My last question, talking about running backs and and all of that, I mentioned C.J. Anderson earlier because he is now, if I'm Uh wrong, he's now a full timeshare with Ronnie Hillman, according to what I'm hearing out of Denver, which completely changes his situation. Let me me tell you what I did this week. Uh, I can't get any – nobody's interested in taking C.J. Anderson off my hands, and it's a pretty deep league. So there were not a lot of uh, free agency options for me. Now, I finally got LeGarrette Blunt back. Now, for this week, these are my – I picked up, by the way, Kiri Robinson and Thomas Rawls just as bench guys because I think Rawls with Fred Jackson being banged up is probably going to get some play here. And Robinson, he hasn't got a ton, but he's done a lot. Uh, with what he's gotten, so I think he's going to get some more work in that offense, like especially if, That's right. if Spiller or Ingram gets hurt. But I've got those two and C.J. Anderson on my bench. I went ahead and started LeGarrette Blunt and Deion Lewis this week. That way, whichever way Bill yeah. Belichick has the win. Hello? Yeah, it's a good There we go. It's I don't know what play. happened. I lost. Um, yeah, I, I lost you there, and then I, and then I picked it back up. Uh, it's a good play. If there were any team besides the Patriots, it would be uh, kind of selling yourself short because you're essentially hedging bets, and I'm not a fan of hedging bets. But the fact that Lewis and Blount so far have shown that they can be very successful while playing together, that's the key. Uh, so uh, with regard to C.J. Anderson, I wouldn't give up on him. I'm still incredibly high on Anderson, maybe too high, and I know a lot of people might think that's crazy. We're only four weeks into the season. He's been hurt most of these weeks. I just traded for him. Part of that, uh, I mentioned the uh, Mark Ingram for Calvin Johnson. Uh, he threw in Eric Decker just to even it out, one running back, one receiver apiece, because we have caps on how many position players we can have each position. Uh, I love having C.J. Anderson on my team. There's nothing to lose right now stashing him. And then in week 10, if he takes control of that backfield and becomes the 80-yard, one-touchdown guy almost every game that we saw at the end of last season, hey, that's, it makes my job easy. I bail on him. I'll have lost to Eric Decker. So it's worth it at this point to hold on to Anderson. It doesn't help you at all to try to trade Anderson at this stage of the game. Yeah, his value is just nil. So there's, as I found out, there's no, there's no trade market for him right yeah. now. So. Look at so. Justin Forsett uh, a week ago. Justin Forsett's value was almost nil a week ago. He was coming off three yeah. pretty bad games. Uh, I, I traded for him. I traded, uh, made a very bold trade in my 20-team league, Matt Forte uh, and uh, uh, Kendall Wright. He didn't think they were none available or almost hurt. And then I got uh, A.J. Green, and I got uh, Justin Forsett. And then Forsett comes in and has a big game. So Forsett could be had for, you know, pennies on the dollar a week ago. And C.J. Anderson is in the exact same boat, but the difference is Anderson is a more talented running back than Justin Forsett is. He's younger, more powerful, and in a better offense. So if you think of me buying low on Forsett and then a week later buying low on Anderson, I hope your listeners can pick up on the fact that this is low-risk, high-reward kind of kind of uh, fantasy plan. It's not about trying to go for the home run. It's just stocking up on high-feeling guys, and if one or two work out, 
I'm much better off as a result. I picture you right now in the passenger seat in the in the car at the intersection in training day looking over and going, it's chess, not checkers, <laughs> man. It's chess, not checkers. <laughs> but anyways, uh little training day <laughs> reference. BJ, my man, good stuff as always, man. And good luck good to you there. this week. And hopefully I don't hate fantasy football on Monday when you text me and ask me how my weekend went. I hope that it – actually, I'm not doing terrible. I, I had one league that was the, the biggest money league that I'm in. I started off 0-3, but I bounced back last week. I look to be – back here this week i should finish with a second win in a row and i'm 500 everywhere else but still it, it could be better and that's what i'm not happy about so we'll see right, It'll turn around right. man it's early as well, good you luck said. this weekend that's right it's early. you got time you too, my man. BJ Riddell, the blog is Fantasy Football for Winners. Twitter at BJ Riddell, and he's here every week doing the thing with us. BJ, have a great weekend, and we'll catch up next week. You too, Jack. Take care, man. All right. Oh, guys, we successfully navigated that phone call with only a tiny bit of bandwidth issues. So I'm going to go to break, get you the news, close as many windows as I can, and get back on here with Dan Wismar in on the conversation. And uh, hopefully the radio gods will allow Dan and I to have a conversation. It's time to do some football and some previewing, and we'll talk Browns and Ravens, Buckeyes, and so much more. Dan Wismar from Everybody Hates Cleveland joins us next after the news here on the Sports Fix. The Sports Fix, your choice for intelligent talk. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. That was great. Uh, intelligent talk. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. These guys must be on the wrong station. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. The Sports Fix. Football season is party season at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead. Everyone wins at Harry Buffalo. Every Saturday is Coors Light College Football Saturday with $6 pitchers, four bottles for 10 bucks, and the Buckeyes in full HD. Football season is most definitely party season, and your headquarters is Harry Buffalo North Olmstead all winter long. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. Sports Fix listeners, do you tweet? So do we. So tweet CLE. Do you want to take your business, your product, your team, your event to the next level? You want to advertise right here with the Sports Fix. Our listeners are among the most loyal listeners, terrestrial or internet. The Sports Fix universe is not only the radio show, but tens of thousands of fans on Facebook and Twitter. Email me, Jerry Myers, the Sports Fix at AOL.com. That's the Sports Fix at AOL.com. And let me help you swing for the fences and hit it out of the park right here on the Sports Fix. Portions of the Sports Fix brought to you by Harry Buffalo. Harry Buffalo, join the herd. News break. Good morning, I'm Bob Picosi. We have breaking news. Atlanta Hawks guard Tabo Cephalosha was acquitted this morning on misdemeanor charges that he interfered with New York City police and resisting arrest. He suffered a broken leg in the incident last April outside a nightclub. When he was arrested, police claiming Cephalosha interfered while they were trying to set up a crime scene following the stabbing of another, indie, uh, another NBA player, Pacers forward Chris Copeland. He was in a hospital ER with a virus until 2 a.m. Tuesday. 
40-year-old Colts quarterback Matt Hasselbeck filled in for an injured Andrew Luck for a second straight time last night and threw two touchdown passes in a 27-20 win in Houston in the NFL Thursday night game. It's a special group of uh, to come away with the win. I mean, really, that was my number one goal is just to just give, give this team anything that I had, which I didn't know how much it was, but just give them anything that I had to help uh, Help us get the win. Luck missed the second straight game with a sore throwing shoulder. Toronto third baseman Josh Donaldson, who left yesterday's game after he was kneed in the head on a slide, is in the lineup for this afternoon's Game 2 against Texas in their American League Division Series, 12-15 Eastern Time today on many ESPN radio stations. Sports Center is brought to you by the men's store at JCPenney. The thing is, guys, we pretty much live in jeans, and JCPenney has the Levi's you're looking for. So get here now for great deals. JCPenney, when it fits, you feel it. You're listening. Welcome back to the sports phase. Anyway, ah, let's. There we go. Maybe they'll let you. Maybe they'll let me talk now. Welcome back in, J Rock. Back with you here. Welcome you in here. Just getting ready to go to the phone lines. Dan Wismar is going to join us. Maybe now the bandwidth. There we go. Maybe now I can talk. I don't know. You know, you you cannot. Uh, I cannot stress enough. My apologies for this. Uh, it just. It's not going to stop, and we are nine days and counting after today away from not having to deal with bandwidth issues. I'm J-Rock back here. Dan Bismar is going to join me on the hotline. You guys can keep the conversation going on Facebook. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Facebook.com slash the sports fix. Twitter at the sports fix. C-L-E. Email us. The sports fix. At AOL.com, Facebook.com slash the Sports Fix, Twitter at the Sports Fix, C L E, email us, the Sports Fix at AOL.com. I'm going to go to the phone lines now. Dan Whitmar, how you feeling, my friend? Doing great, Jerry. Good to be with you. I, uh, you're you're breaking great. up just a little bit, but we'll, uh, we'll make the I best am. of it and, uh, you know, try to try to carry on here, but uh, happy Friday to you, sir. Of, of course I am. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less. Happy Happy Friday to you too, my man Dan. A little bit different to have you here on a Friday, but that's okay, man. I mean, we'll we'll hit both ends of the weekend. You and I here, we'll get into it, and then we'll, we'll come out of it. I wonder what we'll be seeing when we come out of it on Monday, man. The Browns. I mean, uh, you and I, we haven't talked since Monday, so you know the Browns have. Uh, Another week of practice between them and, and no real controversies or anything crazy to get into except the fact that they just need to play better. And they're playing a Ravens team here that is, you know, normally you would say very beatable. But, you know, BJ, in talking about fantasy football in the last segment, we really kind of hit on something that is a real life going to be a major problem for the Browns. And that is Justin Forsett and uh, the Browns' inability to stop the run countered with the fact that if the Browns overload against the run, they do have a quarterback that can beat them, even if it's a bunch of no-name wide receivers. As we've seen with Phillip Rivers last week, he can find wide receivers that you can't find their name on the program, but he can find them on the field. And Phil, or excuse me, Joe Flacco do the same thing. Well, I thought it was interesting that Mike Pettin, uh, I guess it was just yesterday, was talking about that 
there's nothing wrong with his defensive scheme or his oh, plan, but yeah. it's an execution thing. Uh, in other words, pretty much uh, throwing the players under the bus. I thought that was interesting, and it also reminded me of that old joke about the, the reporter that asked the coach uh, what he thought about his team's execution, and the coach said he thought it was a good idea. Yes. Bill Fitch said, what did you think of your, your team's execution tonight? He said, I'm in favor of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's in favor of it, <laughs> right? But uh, you know, so you're you're right. You've got another experienced uh, Super Bowl winner, uh, you know, quarterback. Obviously, that's not Philip Rivers, but Joe Flacco, um, the guy who who uh, can hurt you if you if you overcompensate to sell out to stop the run. And uh, last week it was a quarterback that hurt you because you sold out trying to rush the passer. Uh, and uh, killed you with uh, Danny Woodhead and screen passes and, and little crossing routes that uh, that are underneath all that all that uh, attempt at pass pressure. Um, and, and Flacco obviously is capable of doing the same sort of thing to you. So you're right; they just got to show up and play and, and uh, count on the fact that in the NFL, it's any given Sunday. And uh, the Ravens have not looked like world beaters this year by any means. Uh, they've won a couple of close ball games and lost a couple. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how long it's been, if ever, that the Browns have won in Baltimore. So it's hard to sit here and say you think they're going to win. But uh, you just hope they show up and give a good accounting of themselves. And I think last week they gave a good accounting of themselves, uh, at least by virtue of the scoreboard where you're in it with a chance to go to overtime. Uh, uh, wanted to ask you, too, what you thought about uh, uh, Tremont Williams. Oh. I was just about to do it. There you go. All right. Coming, coming back out and, and, and sort of leaking what the NFL told him, and the NFL doesn't like it, as if no. the Browns needed to get the NFL officials pissed off at him. You know, no. I, I I always contend, Jerry, that the, that the NFL officials are still, to this day, punishing the Browns for the bottle-throwing incident uh, a, a decade ago. And I, I really, truly do believe that. I'm not, I, I'm not just saying that. Uh, so, the, like I said, the last thing they need to do is uh, – get on the bad side of NFL officials where they, they really never been on the good side for a dozen years. You saw the same segue as I did. Cause as soon as you were wrapping that up, I was like, Oh, I want to ask him before we even talk any more about the Ravens, because yes, Tremont Williams came out and said, and then I don't know if he was silenced by the Browns, by the league, whatever, but he came out and said that the league confirmed that it was not an offsides uh, when the flag was called. However, Mike Pettin was very, very transparent yesterday when he was asked about it. Uh, he point blank said, number one, he, he wouldn't talk about uh, whether the league said that or not. So clearly the league did not want that information passed along, which I wouldn't expect them to. But uh, he did say that, hey, we didn't, this is live. And I thought it was offsides watching it live. Mike Pettin said he was point blank asked, did you think he was offsides? He said, yes, I absolutely did. So, if our own coach thought that he was offsides on the play live, you can't fault the officials for that. You can't, it's a thing, totally, totally thing to say, boy, we, we found another way to have it snatched from us, and it wasn't even our fault. But, I mean, even Mike Pettin said, hey, without the frame-by-frame frame to see that a split-second difference was there, then he would have, uh, you know, how are you supposed to do that? So, But it does kind of kick you in the tail a little bit as a Browns fan to hear that and go, damn. We can't get a break to save our lives, man. Yeah, that's true. And, and it is just another example of the ways that the Browns always seem to be 
at odds with the NFL office. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Um, in trouble with the NFL office, doing something, whether it's Joe Hayden's injury to, you know, the coaches in trouble to general managers being suspended. It just, it's just another example in a litany of uh, times when the Browns have gotten on the bad side of. Uh, of the big bad NFL front office. Yeah, for sure, man. And uh, like you said, it's not like they need any help. Anything, any, you know, they they have a hard enough time getting it right by themselves here. And uh, just uh, another thing, it is what it is, man. And like Mike Peck is that he does uh, uh, that's a whole co speak the NFL as a whole nowadays. But the whole it's in the rear view mirror and looking ahead because there it, it does you no good. It does you no good to even talk about last week's game anymore. You have to move on to uh you have to move on to the next one and that's Baltimore coming up. Same thing with uh with the with the injury front and I was looking around the, the Browns injury report uh in the defensive backfield, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Joe Hayden with the, I mean, cause that's the biggest part when we talk about the Browns and, and by the way, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Pat McMenamin from ESPN did a breakdown. I don't know if it was yesterday or today. I read it this morning about the Browns defense and just, you know, how really as much as we talk about up front and getting pressure and all of that, one of the biggest problems with the Browns defense is in the secondary and the fact that when they do, as you mentioned, sell out, when they do try to get that pressure and bring the house, the plays are not being made on the backside. The stops aren't being made. The passes are being caught. The extra yards, tackles are being broken. And that's what was supposed to be a strength is one of the biggest things that's hurting Brown and Joe Hayden, of course, you know, with the big contract and the big name gets the focus on it and him not playing last week was a big deal. But, you know, you got Gibson, you got Dante Whitner has not been at his level, although he did play better last week than he had before. I mean, that secondary has got to has got to get better. They've they've got to play better for the rest of the defense to have a shot. That's true, and that I think is probably what Patton was referring to about execution. When your whole defensive philosophy is based on, well, we can sell out to rush the quarterback because we've got this defensive backfield that can really cover. Right. Well, no, you don't, or at least uh, we haven't seen the productivity out of them so far. Um, and they do get uh, taken advantage of by teams that have the, the big wide receivers. Who knew, Jerry, that, you know, you know, going tall in the wide receiver core was, you know, something that you might think about doing. No. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're right. And then, of course, injury-wise this week, uh, I've been hearing different things this morning. I uh, read somewhere that uh, Tayshawn Gibson is is questionable, uh, yes. but that 
uh, Kwan Williams might be ready to go. Uh, I don't know what you've heard, what the latest is on that, but getting Kwan Williams back would be a big boost, you'd think. Yeah, absolutely. Williams practiced. Um, matter of fact, Mike Patton did the uh, went through, and I'm going to pull that list back up. But uh, line is banged up, may or may not play here this week. Hayden is looking like it's. I think he's on the questionable side of the of the list right now. Uh, as you said, Gibson. Uh, there's a again uh, questions on which of them will play. But yeah, as many as you can get back. Scott Solomon maybe getting back because the linebackers as well too. Um, that was another part of McManaman's piece was uh, right along piggybacking with, and, and obviously one leads to the next level of the defense, but the, the linebacker position as well. Uh, the Browns have gone from several options and alternatives to a very limited group of linebackers for what they are trying to do defensively uh, with Solomon being out, Mingo being incredible. I did not even realize, I mean, we know he's been the invisible and being invisible. Uh, he was barely in the game at all against the Chargers the other day. And, uh, you know, Paul Kruger's really the only guy who's playing every down defensively there of those linebackers. You know, Solomon is is going to be back here, but he hasn't so far. I'm curious if he's as good as the coaches thought he was going to be. Is he one of the, the missing pieces that's stopping the run defense? I don't know if it's as easy as that, but he hasn't been there, and they were very high on him. I mean, there's issues there, too, with the linebackers. Yeah, no doubt, and, and uh, you wonder even if Scott Solomon is back and is a piece of that, uh, more part of the solution than the problem, uh, is he still on a gimpy ankle? Is he 100%? And, and you don't really know what to expect out of him. And I'm going to ask you, because I, I'm not up to up to uh, the latest state on the injury situation with guys uh, like uh, Craig Robertson, for example, is he expected to play Sunday? No, I believe he's still a he's still a few weeks out. He, they were on him at least. Hurt. Yeah, and the other thing, Jared, was uh, and I haven't heard anything for several weeks uh, on a guy that in the exhibition season and early on, uh, especially if you're talking about trying to replace Station Gibson, is Abraham Campbell. What's his status as far as anything that you've heard? I I like that guy of the the rookie from Northwestern yeah, and uh, yeah. haven't heard much about him in the last week or so. No, but he's I, I believe he's been playing. I mean the. The, there's still, and matter of fact, Mike Pettin brought him up as there's, you know, there's only so much he can do when they're shuffling guys around here the last couple of weeks. But, um, you know, where he's at, I mean, I, I've heard nothing bad about his development. As a matter of fact, there was a lot of talk that if Dante Whitner does not get his game back up to the level that it is in the next few weeks, it do you make a change there, perhaps? Because he was... Yeah, he you're was, right, because, because yeah. Campbell is, uh, you know, Whitner's backup, not really right, Gibson's right. backup. I guess Gibson, they have backs up with Jordan Poyer, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, Poyer. Yeah, he's the guy there. And he's been playing quite a bit. I haven't seen a lot of uh, number 30 on the field, because Whitner, even though he's been less than 100% effective, he, he at least has been out there. Yeah, absolutely has. Um, I was trying to figure out if uh, I was here. Anyways, with me. Yeah, bad, and I'm only catching every other. Bear with me here. No, it's the same thing here. Great. You're listening to the Sports Fix. J-Rock here, Dan Wismar, doing the thing, talking some Browns and Ravens here. And thank you guys for joining us, or at least whatever portions of the conversation you can hear. We'll continue to uh, 
to go th- to go through this and uh, and do the best that we can. do. Dan Wismar joining me here uh, as we're back to it. Anyways, uh, talking about the injuries, uh, Gibson Robertson no practice this week. Robertson is uh, was ruled out on Wednesday by Mike Pettin. Uh, Sean Drone question marks on on him still as far as being third back. Uh, same with uh, Robert Turbin. I don't think Turbin plays till next week. But I do think, let me ask you, that's a good segue there. Well, I'll get into it in a minute. Uh, but uh, the running game, I do believe that it starts to come around in the next two or three weeks with the emergence of Duke and, and Turbin, because I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Turbin coming out, of, uh, coming out of Seattle the way he did there at the beginning of the season. But uh, uh, other than that, yeah, everything else is where it is with the, with the injuries. Joe Hayden's probably going to be a a game time decision. Once again, same with Gibson there. It's looking like Gibson may not play again. So, you know, if Hayden and Gibson don't go, uh, that would be a, that would be again, a double whammy. And, and we'll have to see, cause with Joe Hayden, you're dealing with the broken finger and that, by the way, I don't know if you heard that, but apparently that's the latest development is that there's an actual break in the finger and not just an, uh, an injured finger, but uh, Joe Hayden was playing on a broken finger as well as the, uh, as the rib injuries. You know what? Yeah, and it's Did hard to—it's hard to imagine. I was just going to say it's hard to imagine a more uh, debilitating injury for a cornerback than that. Not only in terms of catching the ball, but just in terms of tackling and grabbing and holding and and, and being able to secure tackles and things. You'd think it would just be uh, brutal for a quarterback to have to play with uh, with that kind of an injury. So certainly can't blame him for you know deciding at the last minute last week. Hey, I don't think I can go. And you know what? That brings me to a point I wanted to talk to with you about, and that is I I said I was starting to see it weeks ago, and I'm really seeing it more and more. The cracks in the facade of Mike Pettin and his ability to cover all the bases that he's been covering as the Browns head coach. And I mean, his I believe, and I've thought this for a while, that his attention is spread too many places, and, and it's it's causing him to show the cracks of being what is effectively a second year head coach and all of that stuff here. And uh, that came out this week with the Joe Hayden thing, because, you know, if you notice Mike Pettin had to come out and apologize the way this week and, and, and the media is always looking for mini dramas to talk about on Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. But uh, I could see why Joe Hayden would be upset with Mike Pettin this week. If the developments went down the way Mike Pettin said that they did, that he sort of, really threw Joe Hayden under the bus on Monday when he was asked why Joe Hayden didn't play. And he basically said, Hey, we left it up to him. And he decided that he couldn't play and made it sound like five minutes before the game, Joe Hayden just said, Oh, I can't go today. And then, you know, apparently Joe Hayden said, Hey coach, that was, you know, not the way it went down. And I spoke, I, I it was, oh, man, there's an issue with one of your one of your name players, one of your top defensive players, one of your highest paid players, and your head coach. We haven't had these things before. Now, here's another crack in the facade of Mike Pettin. Well, yeah, and I think really he, he was forced to make the distinction there between Joe Hayden didn't want to play and Joe Hayden decided he couldn't play. Right. You know, there's a big diff there's a big difference. And I think what he what he came out with with his clarification was, hey, guys, Joe Hayden wanted to play. You know, to, to sort of make that distinction and say, hey, he decided the last minute, you know, obviously you have to leave it up to the player at some point uh, that, that he couldn't go, not that he didn't feel like going, not that he didn't want to go, not that he had any lack of desire. 
So, but, but yeah, you're right. It's it's a guy who's uh, in Petten who's wearing a lot of hats. He's been dealing without a general manager for for the first month of the season, and uh, maybe uh, maybe he is spread too thin. You know, certainly, and I, we talked about it a little bit the day after the game that the Blooms office rose a little bit because the defense has been so bad, and that's his primary responsibility. And B, because the the amount of penalties this team has committed shows a, a lack of discipline. And, 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 you know, certainly penalties are something that's directly attributable to, to how well your team is coached. For sure. Right now, I think I just saw before the show, Browns are, it's either sixth or seventh in the league in penalties so far um, on the bad side. So uh, that's something that you got to straighten up. And like we mentioned, to me, those things go to coaches. And, and, and maybe they, they don't go directly to your head coach. I mean, hey, there's a lot of people that have said to me, Mike Pettin sealed his own fate by not hiring a more experienced uh, coaching by not hire, especially on the defensive side, by bringing in somebody who, and, and I know why most of these guys do it. And I'm not trying to, to slight uh, O'Neal as, as, as far as what he's done, but that's your guy that you bring over. Just like somebody brought you over and somebody gave you your opportunity. Now when you become a head coach, you want to bring your guy and you want to give him his opportunity. But if he can't bring the freight, if he's letting things slip through the cracks, if, if he's over aggressively coaching and, and, and not keeping guys mindful of the penalties, it still comes back on Mike Pett. And so you still have to answer for that. But there's a lot of people that have said to me, Hey, his biggest mistake was who he turned the defense over. Again, I don't know. I'm not the guy to try to question, but that's interesting. What would you think of that? Because he did put a completely, uh, I don't want to say completely inexperienced, but he did put a guy in a position that he wasn't necessarily at that level, yet, just like he was put in that position by Jimmy Haslam. That's true. I think you may be right that the tendency for somebody who has been given a break would be to turn around and give a break to somebody else. Yes, I mean, in the I case would. of One- in the case of in the case of O'Neill, you know, he certainly he brought in a guy that was uh, philosophically, strategically, you know, simpatico with. Um, on the other side of the ball, I think is where he took the bigger gamble by bringing in DiFilippo, and 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 that actually so far seems to have worked out relatively okay. I think I mean, so. DiFilippo certainly was trying to make lemonade out of lemons, and and uh, certainly makers and touchdown makers scored. I had virtually zero of them, uh, even though he had a decent offensive line. Um, so I, I think maybe the the early results from that experiment with a again first time coordinator in the NFL. Um, seems to be working out a little bit better. Uh, you know, by the same token, you're, you're limited, just like Jimmy Haslam was limited in hiring a head coach to somebody who would say yes to the job. Uh, you know, we just, we had a relatively inexperienced offensive coordinator a year ago in Shanahan, and he spent one year here and he wanted out. And, and he went to some greener pastures and the Falcons are putting up some big points under him. Uh, so they had an experienced guy and they couldn't keep him. Uh, based on whatever the circumstances are, call it dysfunction, turmoil, chaos, whatever. Um, but uh, you're you're limited as to the guys that are experienced hands with being coordinators in this league who are willing to come here and will say yes to your offer. And you know what, Dan? In all fairness, in all fairness, 
it's it's overcorrection in each direction because before these assistant coaches, guess what? The ones before them were mega experienced. You had the Norv Turners and you know what I mean, the Ray Hortons and so we it's not like the Browns only try one way. They've tried every way, but they don't get it right no matter which direction they go, whether they go with the experience or a rookie, whether they go <laughs> whether they go with someone from this system or that system it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't translate when it gets put here uh into cleveland you're, hey, you're right ask, you're right you know and, and you're right here and they've had they've had coordinators that have served their time here and gone on to other places and done not so well and then they've had other guys you remember that you know early on in this uh, new browns uh franchise they had guys like uh bruce Aarons here yes sir uh you know running things and uh uh, he obviously didn't prove to be a, uh, a flash in the pan, uh, you know, or a, a failure. Uh, he was swept out with one or the other of the regime changes and uh, and obviously went on to big-time success. Or Ray Horton's still working in this league, and, and you know, uh, there's other guys around that are that have done the same thing, and Shanahan among them. So uh, you're right. It just hasn't, hasn't worked out here, and, and, and invariably good people – uh, are affected by the lack of continuity here. Aaron certainly would be one example of the, the casualty of a guy who got uh, got swept out in a in a coach firing, uh, and uh, ended up landed on his feet. Obviously. Oh yeah, for sure. But you're absolutely right, and that's the other thing. These these decisions affect so many people down the down the rabbit hole as you look at it, man. And uh, and and you know what? This is when I talk about like evidence piling up, you know me and we talk, we, you know, I would say we're very, very open-minded. And when we have these conversations, always give guys the benefit of the doubt, the clean slate. I'm big on letting guys prove it or, or disprove or whatever. And, uh, but you look as the, it's just funny when you watch the pile of things and bad personnel decisions are, are another one of them. I look around the league and I, I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to beat the, the Brian Hoyer train, but there's, there's instances like that. How about uh, Dion Lewis, by the way, here's another name I wanted to mention a guy who was here with high expectations, breaks his leg. He was a Joe Banner guy. This is just the example of, of, of the changes of regimes totally changing the course of what a team is doing. Uh, Dion had, was going to be perhaps a, a, a very key player here in Cleveland. He ends up not being in favor with the new regime. He gets pushed out of the way, takes him. He needed a year to recover from his injury anyway. But you notice in New England where there are a dime a dozen running backs they very quickly locked up Deion Lewis for the next couple of years because I think Bill Belichick realized, hey, we've got a hell of a weapon here in this little scat back Deion Lewis. But there's another example of a shout by the, the regime changes, not by football player. No doubt. And, and, of course, he's got the added circumstance of having, you know, the fraction a, yeah. a year and, you know, a franchise that roster spots with other people. So, but you're right. He's an example of a guy. And, and, and then you also have the same kinds of free agent issues where, uh, you know, because your franchise has this reputation as being unstable and, you know, dysfunctional or whatever, you, you end up losing guys like TJ Ward is a guy that comes to mind. And there just, you go. So, you know, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm out, uh, you know, I've got an opportunity and I'm going to go somewhere else. So you, you've got guys that, you know, even they won't take yes for an answer, uh, because uh, you've got this rep and, and it's a deserved one. Uh, 
of, uh, of the instability and, and uh, you know, revolving door. Revolving. It's a, it's a, it's a sad thing. You know, this morning I saw in the plane dealer, the, uh, pronounce his name, but, uh, he had a piece about, of course, you hear these at least once every football season here in Cleveland. Somebody with the novel approach that Browns fans should turn their back because of, you know, the, the woes of the organization. And I get that argument totally. You'll never get it done, but I totally get that argument. And, uh, and you know, the things that happen for year to year to year. And But... Uh, did you see that piece, by the way? In the in the, in the I don't deal? I don't think I saw the piece you're referring to. No. Yeah, it was done this morning, but it was just basically that it's it's time to wake up. But one of the lines in it really is so key. And and again, this is this is a fool's gold. This is never going to happen. But he said, "Hey, it's fifty five bucks a ticket to go to Cedar Point, and and everybody knows Cedar Point, the big amusement park here in Ohio. If you went to Cedar Point Sunday." And the three biggest rides that you wanted to ride were were broken. Okay, maybe you'll come back again. You'll give it another shot. But if you go every Sunday to Cedar Point and every Sunday the roller coasters are broken, are you going to pay $55 a week and say the roller coasters will be working better this week? Yeah, a good analogy about, you know, spending your entertainment dollar and not being entertained. Um you know, I, I had a buddy that used to drive in, uh, bought my dog pound seats from me, uh, and and would drive it in every uh, you know eight times a year from from Virginia, where he works in the in the D.C. Beltway. Uh, and, and finally, one year, he said to me, Dan, I, I'm just going to pack. He said I can get up on a Sunday morning, punch myself in the stomach, and have the same effect. <laughs> you know, I'm coming into Cleveland every week to watch the Browns. So I I always you know, go back to that line. Uh, days like last week where not only did you get a punch in the stomach, but, you know, you got your entire guts ripped out, thrown on the floor and stomped on. So, you know, that's, uh, uh, that. you're right. It's, uh, you're paying for entertainment and, and not for, uh, you know, we're not masochists. We don't pay for pain. But, you know, it's just that argument, like I say, you can never – I totally agree with it because if it was anything else, you know – I mean, people boycott products all the time, public pressure, social media pressure. How many times have we seen, especially in the last even just four or five years, companies make changes in direction, make apologies, make uh, price corrections, make – you name it because of social media either – pressures or or public relations issues or whatever and uh, so you know it works you know the act of holding out until things are corrected works but yet for some reason that could that can or won't ever be applied in this situation and i'm one of them guys that gets it on the fan side too i always say why would i give up something that i love to do because they're a bunch of morons like i like to watch the game so why would i mean i get that now but i'm not spending money on the games i'm not buying all my favorite players jerseys i'm not i'm for the simple fact that i realize how tenuous these players are and my income is far too disposable to spend that kind of money on something that's going to be worthless you know what i mean like i said i got this hometown hoyer shirt still hanging here with the tags on it because by the time i got it he was already on his way out of town man so uh so i'm not spending that money you are you do you have season tickets and all that but as long as 
the asses are in the seats every single week. Does it matter how many people complain? It doesn't matter how many people get mad like Bruce at the plane dealer. It doesn't matter how many people message me every Sunday after the game and say this, that, and the other thing. How does it ever, how, how do you ever have a consumer or do you just continue to take it? Because it's one of the few, Any, I mean, think about it, Dan. You see customer pressure all the time, work in business, especially in today's era. Yet, you know, I don't know, that doesn't exist. It's, I don't know. Do you know where I'm going? Like, what, how do you, I don't well, know, Well, sure, man. first of all, you know, let's make a distinction between guys just get frustrated at the Browns and, you know, and, you know, you, you mentioned Bruce. I wasn't going to bring it up, but he's an active Browns hater. Absolutely. You know, he, I get you. he rebels in the Browns doing bad things. He roots for the people, the teams that are playing the Browns. He wants, <laughs> he's a little bit different. He's a little bit different from the average fan who wants the Browns. Like, uh, why I keep sending a check to these people every year to sit in the seats. Well, one thing, it's, it's, it's force of habit for one thing. It's what we do on Sunday, you know, fall Sundays uh, for many years. I've probably only missed about five games since 1905 home. So, I'm proud of that, okay? I'm proud of the fact that even though the Browns lose, I keep going. That's not a source of shame for me. It's a source of disappointment and, and, and all that. But, you know, hell, I, I've been waiting for the Indians to win a pennant since I was born, you know? So exactly. uh, I win a World Series, I should say. Uh, so I, I just think, uh, you know, in terms of being a Browns fan, I think that makes me more of a fan, not less of a fan. But I continue to go down there and root for the orange helmet, uh, you know, even though – they continually disappoint me. That's a source of pride for me. And also, I have friends there. You know, 16 years in one seat at Cleveland Brown Stadium, we, we have come to know and like and, uh, you know, enjoy the company of the people that sit around us. I would miss them if I didn't see them, uh, you, know, you know, eight or ten times uh, every year. Um, I was saying to somebody, you know, even your best friends, your, your very best friends, how many of them, do you spend three hours with eight times a year? You know, very, very few, I would guess. Um, and, and so that's important to me, too, the relationships with the people that we have there. And we have had, uh, however rare, we have had some good times on there. So I, I keep doing it because my Browns fandom isn't voluntary. I and can't I turn it on that. and off, just like Dan, my Indians fandom. It's not voluntary. <laughs> it's it's reflex action. Dan, I'm 100% in agreement. That's what everybody to a man, I mean, I get it. It's what you do. It's Like I said, why should I not not do what I do or not watch what I enjoy or whatever? You know, hey, I've got my whole life. My dad's not here anymore. Do you have any idea how many of my memories with him involve watching a Browns game, being at a Browns game, et cetera, so forth, whatever, uh, the Browns games, you know, that that's a big been a big part of our life so that's a fabric of my life but where i counter that with is i agree with you and i do not believe in these i see these sports talk guys do it all the time shame the fans for going to the games and i don't believe in that because of all the things you just said and i just said but when that's the case it does make it hard to ever put the pressure on the organization that enough is enough because they know exactly what you just said. They know what I just said. They know why everybody shows up and their numbers show them that their attendance is only moderately affected by their performance on the field. And even if it wasn't, the NFL is insulated in a way that 
those teams are protected from losing money anyway. They'll never lose money no matter how many people show up in the seats because of the TV deals. But they're they're insulated from failure as far as the bottom dollar, the bottom line. And when you have that structure, how does how does change ever come around except by accident? Well, you know, you're right. Certainly the NFL has been the smartest of the pro sports leagues in that it's very socialistic and that the biggest source of money, of course, is not fans in the seats, it's television dollars. And they split the television dollars 32 ways evenly, always have, uh, for or at least for the last 40 years or so. Uh, and, uh, and so you're going to get your money. And the New Orleans Saints can go 30 years without ever having a record better than 8-8. Eight and eight. And they make every bit the, the the amount of television revenue that that the best teams in the league make. So yep. certainly they've done a good job of that. But in order to say that what what this team needs is pressure on the front office from no, you're right. I know where uh, you're going. Boycotting fans that you have to assume that they're not doing everything they can. That their heart is really not in getting better. That they don't care that they suck. That they that that, that they're not uh, trying their hardest to put a winning product on the field. I'm not quite that cynical, Jerry. I believe that they are trying hard and they're just failing to succeed. Um, so, you know, to take the approach of, you know, boycott is what's called for to make, to force them to get better. I think you got to be pretty cynical to think that they're sitting up there, you know, like uh, Scrooge McDuck rolling in, in, you know, piles of dollar bills, uh, laughing at the fans who keep shelling out money to watch them play. I, I'm not quite that cynical about it. And I'm with you. I do agree with that aspect as far as man to man i do believe that now you know some people may question and, and hey man owner, you know anybody's got anybody that's got the disposable income to own a football team i don't know if they live or die with whether that that football team's any good because they they've got a pretty decent amount of money and business investments and interests other than football so i'm sure they care for three hours on sundays i'm not saying jimmy doesn't want to win but i'm just saying jimmy doesn't lose sleep over the performance i think of the cleveland browns that's just my opinion because of the nature of being a billionaire i just i could well then not only that jerry but let's let's uh the tendency is of course to put 16 years of bad football on two years of jimmy haslam very true. You know, very uh, true. You know, Jimmy, Jimmy Haslam is only responsible for two years of sucking, not sixteen. You are right. You know, and, you and are so, right, you know, brother. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not doing that, and that's the tendency of fans to, to do that. Uh, and you could, of course, put put Art Lerner and Randy Lerner, Al Lerner rather, and Randy Lerner in the same boat. Yeah, same we'll put Art Modell in there one, too. One guy died and passed <laughs> along. So this team has really only had two owners in my in my mind uh, since they came back, but. Uh, you know, I'm not going to hang 14 years of bad football on Jimmy Haslam right now. Right. If I'm Jimmy, I'm going, hey, man, it took you all 16 years to get here, man. So when I'm 16 in, then you guys can hate me as much as you hate everybody else. But <laughs> until then, right. back up. But I do say this, and I will say this, and I believe this applies to bad sports teams everywhere. I do believe that the Browns attract the type of not all of them not all of them i am not in any way slandering every player because a lot of guys on the browns bust their ass but i do believe that franchises like the browns become a safe haven for a certain type of underperforming player the type of player who i'm not saying just taking a paycheck but whether it's because they can't 
take it to that next level. And so they, they could deal with a team like Cleveland or they just don't want to go to that next level anymore. They don't want to work as hard. They're not as hungry. I do believe that that's one of the problems with filling out a roster for the Browns is a, you're not drafting right. And B you're only getting certain levels of free agents. And a lot of those guys are not coming into a place like Cleveland with the most altruistic intentions of working as hard as they can. Well, that's right. And you don't want to mention any names with initials or Dwayne Bow. Yo, uh, did you say that? You know, I'm just saying. No, I, I didn't I didn't say that. You weren't gonna you weren't gonna go there. And I have no but you know what I mean. Over yeah, the, I think general. you're right. I think you're right. Yeah. And the same thing goes for same thing goes for coaches and coordinators. Yes. That the the people that take the Browns offer are people that where there wasn't a long line of teams uh, bidding for their services. Uh, and so you, you invariably get you know, maybe not the best guy. Uh now, and, and you really do have to get when you're especially when we're talking about hiring a, a coach who's not been a head coach before, uh, and and we went through that with Art Modell who refused to hire an assistant coach or, or an experienced head coach ever, with the exception ever. of what Nick Scorich or something who, who, who was here for a cup of coffee for a couple games, uh, refused to hire a head coach with previous head coaching experience, and uh, and we've really seen the same thing uh, here in Cleveland since the since the return. Uh, you know, is are there an is there an exception to that rule, Jerry? I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. From Chris oh, no, Palmer to Butch Davis to that's Romeo Cornell, the, these are guys that had not been NFL head coaches. No, no, we haven't had any any head since we came back. I mean, it, it's the whole run has been that way. And you're right, Modell was exactly exactly the same way. So, um, I don't know, man. I mean, but it, you know what I'm saying? It's just. At the end of the day, the people listening, everybody sitting at home, everybody asking these questions, they all ask the same thing. If there's no, there, if there was answers, somebody, somebody would have them, man. Somebody better than us would have figured it out already. I'm sure, man. If not, right? I have hey. a, I have, have a feeling. I have a feeling that uh, one of the reasons we haven't heard from Jimmy Haslam is that he's been busy on the phone. I, I think that. Much yeah. as we don't want to go through another regime change, it's I think coming, another bro. regime change is cut is coming, and uh, I think uh, Jimmy's going to try to go go big and and big you know name, what? big splash, for better or for worse. Let me let me say this real quick because since you went there, I was talking to some guys while we were watching the game last night, and they go, well, what do you think, J Rock? You know, they're going to get fired, Farmer, uh, Haslam. Who's going to who's going to who's he going to fire? Petten, who's going to go? And I said, man, I said, man, to be honest with you. I said, you know, because they know that I like some of the things Ray Farmer's done in the draft. I said, but ask yourself this question, and I'll ask you and I'll ask anybody listening at home this. Ask yourself this question. Just because you have, you're okay with some of the players that you've gotten out of the draft compared to really bad drafting for, you know, 15 years or whatever, because you're compared, you know, comparing it to that does that forgive piling up the amount of players that you passed on in the past two drafts and didn't take just because you're okay with the group of players that you may have drafted and you're especially not with the first rounders, but just because you're okay with the middle rounds of Ray Farmer's draft, when you look at the pile 20 maybe plus pro bowl level wide receivers in the last couple of years and skill position players that have been passed up on. That's where 
you can use the draft against him. Because even if you're okay with Cam Irving, if you're okay with Duke Johnson, are you okay with receiver after receiver, with pass rusher, et cetera, and so forth, that were passed up on in the draft? Because just because you drafted okay, not drafting the ones that were better is also against you too. Well, you're right, and there's the old expression, the old saying or truism, if you will, that uh, the the general managers and and scouting directors, you know, make their money in the in the middle to late rounds. The only reason that that's a truism is because you assume that a trained monkey can pick in the first round. Right. Uh, you know, you assume that you're going to get a quality player, an elite player, with your first round pick. That's the easy part. And and uh, so even if uh, the Browns have done reasonably well in the middle to late rounds, and that's arguable, certainly, uh, if you look over the long haul. Uh, in fact, uh, up until about two years ago, I would challenge people to, to name a single contributing player to the Browns organization that was drafted in the fourth round or later, and people couldn't do it. Uh, you know, best you come up with was like an Anthony Blaylock type of guy with a fourth rounder. And they've done a little bit better at that in the last couple of years, and they've had some contributors. But for the first dozen years of this franchise, they drafted terribly in the late rounds. So you can't even give them that. But like I said, the only reason that uh, that you think you make your money in the late rounds is because it's 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 easy uh, to draft in the first round. A, a truism that the Browns have just stood on its head. I, I'm I'm with you, and I, I again I don't want change either, especially not change for the sake of change. But you know, with a lot of season left to play itself out, I just think that the uh, the pile of evidence. And I I will say this, Dan, I think that wherever you and I are by the end of the season on this, will be right about where you need to be because we were we were clean state. We were, you know, you know we've we've judged things as they've gone. No, like you said, nobody before you were hired you didn't do this so it's not your fault and but now you're starting to see uh, a little bit of evidence begin to pile up things like the drafts things like Dwayne Poe things like that begin to pile up against you and uh, the same with the coach and I the problem is is as we talked about before I don't see a way for one or the other to survive man they're they're either both gonna go or they're both gonna stay and that uh I don't know. I don't like the odds that they both stay. And that's so that's why I think, unfortunately, that means they may both go. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I'm just sort of reluctantly coming around to that way of thinking. And, and also what we what we have learned or what we know about Jimmy Haslam and his personality and, and his impatience and and his uh, insistence on accountability and <clears throat> and that sort of thing, which we've heard rumors of and then see at play in his businesses, I guess. Um, and we'll find out if, uh, if he's all about continuity or if he's all about uh, accountability uh, because you can't really have both in the situation we're in. Speaking of accountability, you know who else has been quiet? You talk about Jimmy being quiet. Ray Farmer, he's been back at work for a week now, has yet to, unless I missed something, I have not seen him address the media yet throughout this week. And, uh, not that I'd be in a rush to do so either if I, if I was Ray Farmer after the the way the season started. I know there was probably a pile of questions he wasn't that interested in answering, but kind of interesting to notice that he's been he's been really quiet this week. Yeah, that's true. And one thing I wanted to get to on the Browns before we uh, get off on something else was yeah. to just ask you, what is your take on uh, the, the word out of the 
out of the team office that uh, not only is Justin Gilbert now the number one kickoff returner, but that they are considering looking at oh. him on offense. What in the world do you make of that? <laughs> we were joking about that earlier. I burst called at the be- beginning of the show, and I said, man, what is it with us here in Cleveland? And I said, hey, I rode the Carlos Santana to third base bandwagon, so I'm guilty too. But why do we try to change the, the guys don't work out one place. We go, wait a minute. We don't want to throw this guy away. Let's switch him over here. I'm just saying, do you ever go, hey, I don't like this gallon of milk. Let's turn it into water. No, but somehow here in Cleveland, we go, man, I don't like this cornerback. Maybe he could, hell, we need wide receivers. If you play for the Browns before we cut you, it doesn't matter what position you play. I think it's mandatory that we say, hey, you ever thought about playing wide receiver? Let's go. How are, how are your How are your hands? <laughs> you know, nor, normal, normally, with a with a six one, two hundred pound cornerback, uh, you know the, the old saying is, you know, that, that's why he's on defense because right, he's he already proven he, he doesn't yes. he doesn't have any hands. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. I just wondered what you'd heard or what you thought about I mean, that during I the had, season. Come on, man! I had really a couple, I have no problem with the, I have no problem with the kick returner thing. He obviously played kick returner in college and did very well at it. Had kickoff return for touchdowns, and so I'm fine with that, especially in the absence of considering using him. Unless it's something you've been working on, how do you do that in the season? I mean, I don't know, man. That that'll be that'll be interesting. I was like I said, that just kind of came out this week from Berea, and you're going okay. Well, I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe two years from now, we're going. You know, Josh Gordon and Justin Gilbert are the best wideout combination in the NFL. Who knows, man? But uh, Josh Gordon, ooh, that's the first time we've mentioned that name yet, man. I mean, how yeah, soon he's before... been he's been quiet too. I uh, how soon? You wonder what the, you, you wonder if there can possibly be a uh, a silver lining there somewhere. There really can be. Hey, listen, I'm just saying, you know, everybody it was it was a, a sore spot last year because he got himself resuspended. But I was just talking to somebody about this last week, and I said they they, they laughed at me when I said Josh Gordon. They go, oh, we're we're talking about Josh Gordon, and I said no, no, no. I said I know he's he is what he is, but but. All I'm saying is that the Browns will still have his rights for a couple of years, and when he does come back, the new marijuana uh, drug testing stuff, I don't believe that he'll be anywhere near as big of a risk to get resuspended again unless his problems are outside of marijuana. If that truly was what the issue was, I just don't think that he'll be able to trip the, the threshold anymore which means he should be okay. And if that's the only problem, then and, and maybe the guy will be able to play some football for a couple of years. I'm not banking on it, but... Yeah, you're, uh, obviously, if a head coach and a front office can can, can get him straightened out, uh, he's proven that he's a full specimen. Let's see if he can... And as we, as we were saying here, talking about the Browns and the Ravens, let's get back to the game here, man. What do you think? I mean, it's incredibly tough to go to Baltimore, period. I think it's been a decade, hasn't it, since the Browns have won a game in Baltimore or something like that? But uh, I, I think I think that's right. And uh, yeah. I, I'm not expecting – I'm frankly not expecting a win here. But, you know, they they showed up there last year and played them pretty tough with what Connor Shaw starting. So, I – you know, any, anything can happen. Uh, you know, this team is more talented than the one that took the field a year ago. And, and uh, you know, we went to Baltimore. And I don't know. I just think Baltimore has shown that they're, uh, you know, a little bit of a flawed team. The defense is nowhere close to what it's been. Uh, and uh, and the offense has been struggling, too. So, you know, they, they are uh, 
south of 500, I believe, still, and and uh, you know we'll, we'll see what uh, what happens. But I'm, I'm I can't sit here and predict the Browns are going to win because I'm I'm beaten up. No, same here. Both teams are coming in one and three. I think being at home will be much like it was last week, perhaps the the, the little bit too much for the Browns. I don't think they get blown out. Matter of fact, these teams usually um, it gets a little nasty when they play each other. Uh, and for the most part, my his guy up for the for the divisional uh, divisional battles here. So you've got that, but I don't I don't see the Browns winning as you said. I do think that they can put some points on the board against this Baltimore defense for sure. Doomerville, got to watch out for for they got some pass rushing going on over there and stuff. But uh, uh, I do think that the Browns can move the ball on this defense. I think they'll score twenty points or so, twenty four points. Problem is, is I think the Ravens score more. I think the Ravens. I'm looking at 28, uh, 28, 20, 32, 24, somewhere in that area. I think that the the Browns just have a hard time with that Ravens rushing attack. Last year, when Forsett was out, very similar uh, matchups, offense versus defense, and I believe it was Talia Farrow had a big, big day against the Browns, and they had a hard time controlling him, and Forsett's coming off of a, a rampage last week. And uh, so I worry about that. But in passing game, as we mentioned, Steve Smith's out. Uh, the tight end, uh, the Ravens tight end, doggone it, his name's just completely slipping by. Uh, he's out. Oh, yeah. Uh, Crockett Ed, Gilmore. Ed, Crockett Ed, Gilmore's Ed out. Right? Yeah, Gilmore's out. Steve Smith's out. Rashad Perryman's out this week. So they're down to all the backup wide receivers and tight ends for the uh, for the skill position players. And uh, the thing is, is, is that's why you worry about the running game. But I don't think they've got enough firepower to go to Baltimore and win this game. So I, I hate to say that because I love to pick the Browns every week, but I just I don't see it, man. But it would be very, very much uplifting to see uh, the Browns go and take care of some business, especially in a week where it doesn't look like many people think they can. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, I'm with you, you know, sentimentally. Uh, and the Browns, of course, are also looking at uh, – coming home to Denver, uh, you know, the following week. So it doesn't get any easier and uh, you got to put some positive stuff on the board. So yeah, no one expected them to score 27 points last week either. So I, I think if yeah. nothing else, we've put to rest or, or, or put a gag on the, the, the Johnny Manziel fans. And, and uh, I think even the most diehard, you know, Johnny football fan is, is sitting there going, yeah, you know, they've got the right guy starting a quarterback uh, after having watched him the last two weeks put up 300-yard games. It will also be reminded, and I'm just going to beat Bruce to the punch to, to say that when, when uh, McCown puts 350 yards up on the board, he he's, uh, what, 2-9 and nine or whatever in the 11, 300-yard games he's had. So, um, But, um, you know, a lot of times the, the, the big passing numbers are in losing efforts. We, we understand that. But uh, he's also proven that he can uh, he can make all the throws and that, most of all, importantly, the team believes in him. The offense believes that he's the guy that should be playing behind them, and uh, that's good enough for me. For sure, and that's where it all our all the arguments begin and end at the uh, at the quarterback position. There, it's it's as plain as simple as the Browns' defense. If the Browns' defense is healthy and shows up and uh, plays the way they think they can play, 
the Browns can win this game. And me and Dan may be here on Monday going, boy, were we wrong about that one. They went and took care of business. But that that is where it's going to it's gonna happen right there. Like you said, offensively, the Browns will do some things. I think they can count on a good game. And uh, I do think that, again, you got to watch out for the pass rush there. It'll be a challenge for the Browns offensive line. I'm really interested to see the evolution to me uh, is, is next for this season. Not to... I was curious about Johnson and now the opportunity to 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 get more into this offense, and I'm curious to see his evolution from last week. Oh no doubt, yeah, it's it's exciting to see. And and you mentioned Turman earlier. Uh, I don't think that the problem on the Browns' offense right now is uh, lack of you know talent at running back or or at least competence. Uh, at running back with uh, with Crowell and Duke and Turbin and Drone or whatever those, those four guys you've got you know productive enough uh, better than average enough running back talent I think they've both shown it Crowell and Duke Johnson uh, we haven't seen much from the other two guys but uh, that's not necessarily where this team lacks on offense I think it's just uh, uh, big playmakers touchdown makers and I, you know even Crowell and Duke Johnson both obviously have shown the ability to to make big plays uh, in the rushing game and now with Johnson in the passing game too. So um, that seems to be a position that's probably in as good a hands as it's been in for a while as roster. Yeah, for sure, man. Browns and Ravens, 1 o'clock Sunday. This will be a good one. We'll talk about it on Monday. Anything else this week kind of got you excited looking around? I'm trying to look at the league. Obviously, you got the the uh, New England and Dallas. There would have been a lot more of a, of a marquee matchup a couple weeks ago before guys got hurt, but uh, you got that one out there. I mean, really, not uh, it's not the, the most attractive schedule for the NFL this week. No, it's not. I, I imagine you were probably watching. I was flipping around last night trying to watch baseball, trying to watch uh, some college football. You see USC got beat, and I'm trying to keep tabs on the uh, the Colts-Texans the game uh, because Hoyer came in early to, to replace Mallet and uh, moved the team. You know, uh, Hoyer did what Hoyer did, uh, although Hoyer out. also pulled a, he pulled a Hoyer at the end and, and threw an interception when his team needed a touchdown to tie, and he kind of flung one up there at the end that got picked off. And and uh, so as, as much good as he did, he kind of – we saw the, the good Hoyer and bad Hoyer last night. Uh, so that that was uh, sort of according to the script, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. We saw a lot more of good Hoyer than we did uh, than we did bad. Oh, no doubt. Night. You know what no we saw? We saw the guy who doesn't come out of the game. I'm telling you, I was joking at the beginning of the night before you joined the show or at the beginning of the show. I said when Malik got hurt last night, I was around like seven dudes were watching the game and uh, he comes in, completes the pass, completes another pass. Mallet puts his helmet on, starts to come back in, gets pulled back to the sideline. I said, this is what Brian Hoyer does. He doesn't come back out of the game. When he sees that other guy coming in, all of a sudden he starts. He, I said, you watch. This drive is going to end in a score. They ended up getting a field goal out of it. I said, you watch. He, he's going no huddle. He's going. Mar- he's not going to give him a chance to sub him out of the game. He's going to run this thing down the field. And sure enough, they left him in, ended up leaving him in for the game. But I was joking because how many times did we say last year that the best way to make Brian Hoyer have a good drive is to just have Johnny start warming up on the sideline? Because the minute he saw that, he would always lead the team down the field. Right, and the body language from Mallet was definitely uh... – 
he uh, was not I'm happy. Sure a source of some some trouble. I mean, he was he was kicked off. He had the helmet on, strapped up, yes. ready to go, and he's facing. Of course, the camera's right on him. Uh, you know, the whole time showing that he's just champing at the bit to get back in there, and uh, obviously none too pleased that he was still out on the sidelines. Now, I don't know if there was. Uh, you know, concussion talk involved in that, or I don't even know that I didn't even tune in to see what the nature of his injury was. that got him out of the game in the first place, but uh, he was none too happy that he was on the sidelines and Hoyer was out there. As long as Hoyer is moving the team up and down the field, really got them back in the game with the one hail Mary before the half. And then threw another TD pass to uh, Jalen strong later uh, in the third quarter and got him within a field goal. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, Hoyer wasn't the reason they lost the game. He's the reason their last drive failed because on yeah. third and long, I think he kind of winged one up there chucked and got picked off. Yeah, he chucked up that interception. But, uh, yeah, I, I, and I agree. And, by the way, um, speaking of concussions, this was something I wanted to bring up with you while we got back. I, I'm glad we got back to last night's game real quick. Did you notice, and I think this is going to be a big, big deal here in the next 24 hours in the media once people start talking about this, is when Arian Foster went down, he was on that first uh, Hoyer drive. It was on that Hoyer drive right before the right. field goal. Foster got hit, goes out. By, De- he, by DeQuell Jackson, yeah. Yes, he comes back in. And when he came in, I think the announcers even got – got it in their headset because they they went silent after they initially commented then they went silent then they started criticizing uh the the officials for allowing it but the i couldn't believe what i was hearing foster comes back in after one or two plays and all of a sudden the sideline guy jumps in and goes hey guys just to update you arian foster walked back into the game himself. He grabbed his helmet, walked away from the concussion people, and went back into the game on his own. He played the rest of that drive, and then when that drive was over, they took his helmet from him on the sideline. They actually pointed out that they took his helmet and took him to the locker room for concussion testing, and he was out for a while, and then they let him back in the game. But the announcer said, hey, and win the game. I said, that's against every bit of the new concussion protocol. That violates every bit of it right there that a player can just walk himself back into the game when he may be injured. And I think there will obviously need to be some addressing of that. But I didn't know if you noticed it. But right away, after the announcers talked about it, they went silent for about five seconds. And then they said, hey, somebody needs to be watching that. These guys cannot just go put themselves back in the game. I was shocked when I heard that them just blatantly talk about that and that he just went and put himself back in the game. Yeah, you know, I had I, I heard that he was back in and a little bit surprised because it was clear that when he went over to the sidelines that it was it was it was NFL uh, front office people, you know, it was yeah. it was, you know, they take it away from the trainers. <clears throat> and so clearly the NFL uh, and their procedures uh, still has some bugs to be worked out of it because uh uh, obviously, that shouldn't happen, and, and uh, like you say, kind of surprising that uh, they allowed it to happen. But just goes to show you that you know if they did let him in back in later anyway, even after he pulled that stunt, um, then clearly there must have been right. you know an absence of an absence of uh, symptoms uh, that would have uh, caused him to to do otherwise. So, uh, and, and, but yeah, I'm sure it'll be something that's a topic of conversation and something that. Uh, They'll make sure that uh, when they take the helmet, they take the helmet and have somebody go sit on it. 
Well, that's what I was going to say. I could see from now on the NFL fixing it where there's an escort from the league that stands next to the player from the moment he comes off the field, not to let that happen. And Bruce has a good comment. I'm I'm one of them guys that says put some dirt on it too. My point with that is, is if this is where we're at now, player safety, concussions, and if, if games can be affected by a player randomly not being allowed to return, if the league can grab the Cleveland Browns quarterback or the New England Patriots wide receiver or whatever and say, hey, you can't go back in the game, then it has to be uniform because you can very quickly affect the balance of these games if guys can, can if it's the Wild West and guys are going back. And plus, you can say what you want about whether you believe in the concussions and all of that, but the first time a player goes back on the field on his own with a concussion and gets hit so hard that he doesn't wake up for three days, then it will be a, a huge worldwide problem. It will not just be something that we're talking about here on Sports Talk Radio, but it's got to be uniform. If that's where we're going, then you need to have somebody standing next to that player because literally he did the, the loop-de-loop. They said he was standing there, and as soon as the guy looked away, he just 360 to away from the conversation, grabbed his helmet and went back out on the field. And the coaches just assumed that since he had his helmet and he was back on the field, that he was cleared to play. Yeah. And that's crazy because when he came off and then obviously when he took that shot, you could tell right away, but he was scrambled. He was scrambled. He was weaving and, and uh, staggering. And he obviously had some effects from the hit that he took from, uh, from well there. You want to know something, Dan? You know what I wonder, though? You know how you questioned how the league is going to, you know, uh, uh, how the perception is going to be of the way they apply the rule. And we talked about with McCown's concussion and all that. I wonder the fact that he was allowed back in the game later. And I've seen guys look that glassy eyed before and not be allowed back in the game. The fact that they let him back in later. I wonder if that wasn't to mitigate some of the fact that you let him get back on the field earlier in the game. I wonder if if that had not happened, if they would have ruled him out for the rest of the game. That's an interesting uh, observation that you make there. Obviously, we'll probably never know, but it makes sense that uh, they would be in a lot more trouble yes. uh, if, uh, if you hadn't been permitted to go back in. Then, then now it looks like a less of an issue because he was allowed back in. So, yep. yeah, that's very interesting speculation. And we know the NFL is all about optics and perceptions yep. and, and how they look and, and how, you know what what people are going to say about them come Monday morning or whenever. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting uh, theory you floated there that that might have some merit to it. Yeah, just my thought, like you said, it's much easier to go, oh, well, they let him back in the game later, so it, it's not that big of a deal, you know? And, and and there's a lot of guys that take lesser hits that don't get allowed back in the game, and you're like, really? It's forever. Let's look at it this weekend. Maryland, Ohio State, Buckeyes preview. If Maryland comes in 2-3, and three, Buckeyes, of course, 5-0, and oh, and we've talked about the struggles that they've had here. Uh, how do you see this one here? Do you see this finally being an opportunity to open things up for the Buckeyes? Well, sure, it's an opportunity. Uh, but then again, so is Indiana. Uh, you know, what we've got here is a bad team. And I'm sure you've probably heard the rumors floating that Randy Edsel is going to be fired immediately when this game is over. Uh, so I, I feel sorry for the Maryland players who have to go out on the field and play at number one Ohio State and Columbus 
with a pretty bad defense and a miserable offense. Their offense is an absolute dumpster fire, in the words of uh, Steve Hellwagon from Bucknuts. I got, I got to say that. But, um, they got 105 total yards last week against Michigan, 105, um, in a in a shutout loss. Um, they're terrible. Uh, they they had a couple of playmakers, Stephon Diggs, and some people a year or so ago, and, and they just don't have any now. But the, the report is out. Because the fact that Maryland faces a bye week after this week, the team, the program, has decided to make a coaching change midseason, and this is the timing that they feel is propitious for them to do it. Uh, after this game with the full bye week, two weeks, in other words, until their next game, yeah. but this is the time they're going to make that move. And, and that word has leaked out that after five years, a Randy Edsel is going to be history uh, because he hasn't done what, what they hoped he would do there in turning the program's fortunes around. So that's the wild card in this game. Uh, I don't know if they hope that that might motivate their players in some way. If I'm a Maryland player, I'm thinking, what are we doing here uh, going out for this game with the uh, unofficial but yet widely known fact that this is the last game our head coach is ever going to coach here. So to me, that's the thing that throws the monkey wrench into it that leaves it a little bit more unpredictable. But I think the Buckeyes should roll because they're playing playing a very bad team at home with lots of motivation to finally show this high-powered offense that they're rumored to have. Yeah, how about the statement that the school put out? Maryland said this is all they said to address it, and this has got to be the, the, the ultimate vote of disconfidence. Here. Of course the coach knows what's going on. Uh, all he said this statement all in our headlines and stuff. There you go, man. There's a vote of confidence for you, man. He'll be there Saturday. And that's how you know that it's a done deal, that this is over after Saturday, because they didn't even leave it open. They just said, yep, he'll be there Saturday. End of statement. Yeah, that really is kind of low. And, and I feel sorry for Ed Saul. I feel sorry, most of all, for his players <laughs> who were expected to somehow crank themselves up to face the nation's number one team, whether that's a deserving ranking or not. We'll see. But, uh, it's going to be a tough, uh, tough haul without knowing that, uh, you know, our, our, our head man is gone after this. So that's a very, very tough set of circumstances to go in on. Uh, I think what you'll see is Maryland really unable to move the ball. If they don't get a special teams touchdown or a kick return or something or a fluky play, it's going to be very hard pressed to make first downs because the offense has had their troubles. The defense has been so solid that to change and, uh, I don't think Maryland will be able to score double-digit points. Hey, I'm just saying, if Charlie Daniel was coaching Maryland, he'd quit. He wouldn't show up on Saturday, man. He'd, he'd be like, you know what, I want to answer, or I'm not coming to the game. But uh, I agree with you. I think that unless they break a you know break a big play or get a get a crazy you know fumble return turnover, I think this is going to be a this is going to look much more like. The, the type of scores people expected from Ohio State throughout the season here. What's the spread this week? Let's see. 33 it's, is the It's 33. The and, and, and yeah. you know, they the, Buckeyes have not covered, yeah. the Buckeyes have not covered since Virginia Tech. Uh, and that was with, obviously, a couple of late second-half scores. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I'm still tempted to take the 33 if I were if I were a gambler, which I'm not. But, you know, that uh, <laughs> that, that would still be awful attractive to me. Uh, even though Maryland is hapless on offense and not a whole lot better on D. 
And you know what? That's why I said, by the way, as I was looking at some of the numbers here, defensive score, maybe Maryland gets lucky with one of those because I did see that uh, that's one of that's one of the things. Ohio State, not that the number of turnovers, like we talked about that the other day, they, they did that. They have been able to turn the uh, 37 more guys throughout the day, something their own four uh, laps there. Maryland, too, talking about Ed Saul on his way out the door. 0-11 against AP opponents uh, under him, and only two of those have even been slightly competitive games. Right, and one of the things I saw in the game notes uh, this morning was uh, Maryland's record against uh, <clears throat> number one teams. These are number one teams are defending champions. I think it's against defending national champions. Uh, you're probably too young to remember uh, – 1984, when uh, that's the last time uh, Frank yeah. Reich, later of the Buffalo Bills, they they Maryland trailed Miami, 31 to nothing at halftime, and came back behind Frank Reich, who later engineered a big Buffalo did Bills comeback. Did it with comeback. the Bills? Yes, uh, yes, he did. And yes. and and they won that ball game, uh, and that 42 to something, 34 or something, and and uh, that was the last time Maryland uh, beat a, a defending national champion in uh, uh, some uh, some 30 years ago. So. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. And I didn't remember that it was Frank Reich that had probably both of the, the two biggest comebacks ever, one in college, one in the NFL, kind of remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. You know, talking about uh, the game notes and those turnovers too, man, I, I didn't notice this. I saw this uh, on one of, the, one of the sites I was getting some, some show prep for when people comparing this year to last year. And I think Bill Lipston had – didn't read the article, but I could tell by the title of it that he was going down this road when he said, you know, people say, hey, I want the Buckeyes to look like the 2014 Buckeyes. Well, guess what? They do. Um, I saw this morning that offensively, Ohio State through this point last year, averaging exactly the same number of yards per play and nearly an identical rate of big plays that have been hit by the Buckeyes through the through the time, and pretty much the difference has been the number of times that they've shot themselves in the foot with turnovers, 13 so far this year, and they have turned the ball over on 16% of their total offensive possessions. Yeah, that is amazing, and uh, Urban Meyer admitted this week that uh, he called himself a raving lunatic in terms of his, his focus on ball security and and of course, we had Jalen Marshall put the ball on the ground twice last week, and yeah. and, and a, a, an interception as well. So it's just uh, he's a madman about it. And one thing you know about Urban Meyer is that he, he's never too big to admit where he's got problems and to work on them and work on them and stress them and stress them. And and that's what he's all about. Like I said, he's a he's been a raving lunatic in his own words uh, about the turnover problem and. Uh, uh, if they don't, if they don't solve that problem, it, it won't be uh, for lack of attention to it. No, that's for sure. All right, Dan, my man. When we come back Monday, we'll see. Did the Browns go to Baltimore and win? Uh, Ohio State. How big do they beat uh, Maryland here? Baseball playoffs. Real, real quick before they get too deep. Give me a prediction. Who do you got in the World Series, man? I have got Toronto and the Dodgers. I think they're in the in the National League. And and in the American, you know, despite Toronto slipping yesterday, they, they came back. I, I don't know if they're still up four to three. That's the last time I looked uh, today in, in today's game. But, um, yeah, still four to three, I guess. They, they were down 3-1. I, I like Toronto uh, just because of the, the home field and because of the, the power bats and um, 
So I'm going to go with a Toronto LA uh, World Series. I've got you on Toronto, but I'm going. I'm going emotional. I'm going with the Cubs on the other side, man. I just Back to the Future has got to pay itself off, man. The, the you know I would the, love to see it, and, and it helps <laughs> to have that uh, that big time ace uh, that they've got there in Arietta, and, and uh, oh yeah, you know he's just been unbelievable. And uh, you know when you can practically write it down that you got a, a W in Game One or whatever. Uh, that, that helps an awful lot. Now, obviously, they're not going to be pitching him in game one uh, tonight, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I would love to see it uh, just because it'd be great for baseball to have the Cubs do well. And, uh, you know, certainly a uh, piece of my heart would love to see uh, the Cubs, uh, you know, at least make it uh, make it to the NLCS and, and um, possibly the World Series, too. That would be great for the game. Oh, I'm absolutely with you. And one thing you guys notice here with the with these playoffs, and as always, it's a different monster than the, the regular season. This is why the Indians got to figure out how to get there because once you get – it's a totally different game in baseball when you get to the playoffs. The teams that can pitch win in the playoffs, but getting there is the key. If the Indians can figure that out next year, I'm telling you, the type of pitching staff they got – Watch out if they're in the playoffs. You got to get there, though. But I mean, that is the premium. And that's why, if they can straighten out the problem of getting through the 162, then they got something for teams to worry about because uh, that's the secret to winning, to me, in October is having the best chance. Yeah, no doubt. In fact, the uh, weird thing so far, I've played four ball games and the home team hasn't won yet. So, uh, if, if Toronto holds on uh, here this afternoon, they'll break that string. But so far, both wild card games and Game one of both both uh, AL series uh, uh, visitors have won every game, so just kind of a unique twist to it. Very unique. There, anything can happen on any given day. Hey, we'll talk playoffs. We'll talk about the the Browns, the Buckeyes. We'll see where the Cavs are at. They've got another game coming Monday. Let's do it, man. Enjoy the weekend. And what are you working on? Anything in particular this week for everybody? Hey, hates Cleveland. Uh, not really. I've actually been really slacking here on my everybody hates Cleveland contributing. I got to get back on that and and uh, hopefully uh, get something up here next week for you. But uh, in the meantime, yeah, I, I appreciate being with you, Jerry. It's always fun, and uh, I'll catch up to you Monday. We'll uh, we'll sort out some of the baseball and the football. Absolutely. Go Browns, go Buckeyes. Let's see what happens, man. Thanks, Jerry. You got it. Dan Wismar, always a fantastic time. Thanks to him for joining us, and thanks to you guys for being patient through the intermittent bandwidth issues and i've been i've been doing the best i can see i'm starting to figure it out it's like a dance like now when i notice that it's getting uh it's getting bogged down for a minute i just stop talking wait for it to finish go okay that's cool you're running the show i'll just wait for you to let me talk again thank you guys again and hey a week from now we won't have to worry about this anymore so let's take a break final break of the day when we come back they're kicking off monsters hockey season that's right next week we're going to talk to uh, tony brown here but when we come back we'll set the stage monsters got some things going on here of course i've got some things to do this weekend we'll talk about all of that and more set the stage for the weekend don't go anywhere final segment of the sports fix coming up next and now, a very special announcement from the Sports Fix. Black bears weigh between two and 500 pounds. Brown bears weigh between 300 and over 1,000 pounds. Black bears run away from you. Brown bears run at you. When attacked by a bear, simply lie still on the ground and cover your face and head with your hands. When the bear has finished batting you around and mauling you, 
Contact. That was a message from the Sports Fix. It's the Sports Fix. We'll be right back season at Harry Buffalo North Olmstead and no matter who you root for everyone wins at Harry Buffalo every Saturday is Coors Light Cutters four bottles for ten bucks and the Buckeyes in full HD every Sunday all the Browns action with Bud Light beer specials and ten dollar hair of the plus every Monday night catch the Monday night football action with some of your favorite Browns players Football season is most definitely party season, and your headquarters is Harry Buffalo North Olmstead all winter long. Join the herd. Miracles can happen when a team works together. Two out, bottom of the ninth, down to their last strike. The same is true in the fight against cancer. That's why MLB has teamed up with Stand Up to Cancer. Because we believe that when we all stand up together, 41,000 on their feet, we can make cancer history. Now everybody's standing. What a buzz in this building. This is beyond a dream. Stand up with MLB at standuptocancer.org. This is head coach Gary Waters at Cleveland State, and you're listening to the Sports Fix. the course today guys there you go wouldn't let me back in so hopefully you enjoyed the first half of working for the weekend there lover boy and i guess i'm doing dj and music now here there you, go. you know what i'm done y'all enjoy the kick things off tonight i'm gonna talk about them next week with tony brown when we come back monday dan wismar is gonna be here matter of fact we may not even come back Monday. I'm telling you, I'm at the point where I may just take next week off and come back when we get the, the bandwidth back. I'm just kidding. We'll be back Monday, but I'm wrapping this thing. I'm sorry that you had to sit through the final break there for a segment that didn't happen, but I'm, I'm going to kick it and call it a break. You guys, tonight, if you can still hear me, 
Join us tonight, WINT, 1330 AM, the Integrity Radio High School Football Game of the Week. I'll be on the air broadcasting Madison, Willoughby South. Matter of fact, I'm heading there just a few moments from now, so check it out and enjoy the action if you do tonight. Browns, Buckeyes, NBA or NBA preseason baseball playoffs. There's so much stuff for you guys to get into. Tons of college football. Have a great time. Enjoy the weekend. Get back here Monday. Dan Wismar will be in the house with us. We'll talk about everything that went down with you live. Same bad time. Same bad channel noon across the Sports Fix Radio Network. Again, didn't mean to cut this segment short, but you're not going to hear most of it anyway. So I'm calling it a day before I break my computer. Blue Jackets, Monsters tipping off their season here, dropping the puck. We'll talk about that on Monday as well and so much more, guys. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be back Monday noon, same bad time, same bad channel, live across the Sports Fix Radio Network. We love you, Cleveland and beyond. We're out of here before we'll somebody. We'll see you Monday right here on the Sports Fix. Best is it's MGK's, yeah. Shouts out to St. Clair. Uptown, yes, y'all. Heading to the flats. Get it popping up with Steph Floss. Old State Monster. This the home of King James. We are not the Empire, but this is where the Kings play. Cleveland. 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 Cleve